Хей, Том! Привет, Стив! Ребята, я надеюсь, у вас получится отличное шоу. Вы же всегда заставляете меня смеяться. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Masters of Profundication. I'm Tom Witham. I'm Steve Piles. And we've had a little bit of a break. Back from a little bit of a high, extended hiatus, as it were. As much as we hate hiatuses. <laughs> Mid-season hiatus. I, we, we, we tried to avoid it. We could not avoid it. <laughs> But we're back. It was just two weeks, though, so it's okay. Uh, so you, you went to Michigan. Went back to the homeland. Yes. Did anything super interesting happen to you on the way there? Um, <laughs> you know, I actually made a note of this. I guess super interesting, super interesting is in the eye of the beholder. But uh, if people that know me, it's a little anecdote. I'll, I'll, I'll share this. And it's interesting to me. People that know me know I'm a bit of a lead foot when I drive on the highway. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm a total like road warrior. Like if you cannot handle the heat, get off the left lane or I will, I will <laughs> yeah. be that jerk that drives in your backseat type of thing. Yep. Like if you're putzing along and you're keeping up with traffic, then I don't blame you. You're just you got to follow the guy in front of you. Yep. But if you're doing if you're in the left lane and it's clear and you're kind of maybe sort of passing somebody on the right, but going like two miles an hour faster than they are, screw you. Get back to the right lane. Let me pass you, and then you can start on your painfully slow journey to maybe getting around this guy sometime in the next twenty minutes. Yeah. Well, I was going down, and this guy uh, Charger, I think it was, if I remember right, was doing that whole thing. So a charger, so they had the capability of oh yeah, the down. he had a way he was killing my Ford Escort. I was, <laughs> he could have run circles around me literally, but uh, he's putting along in the left lane. So I'm kind of getting up. I was giving the benefit of the doubt. I wasn't running his ass yet, but I was close. And he gets over to the right lane, and I pass him. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and he's on my ass. So I'm like, huh. okay, fine. He grew the some worm balls. His turn. He realized he has a charger and I have a focus and he's embarrassed. So I get over to the left. I got cruise on it because it's not a very busy highway at this point. So yep. I think we're on the turnpike somewhere. And uh, like, you know, in Pennsylvania, not that it matters. But so I get over the right lane. He passes me flying. Like he's going like I was going like 20 over. And he was, he had to be going at least like 30 over at that point to fly by me. Yep. So I'm like, all right, good for you, buddy. You sacked up and you stepped up. My hat's off to you. Gets ahead of me. His balls must have shriveled up to little pea sizes. Realizes how fast he's going to get that one up on me. Pulls way back, and then for like the next hour, he would not pass me. Like I maintained that same like nineteen, like seventeen to twenty miles over, yep. over the limit speed, and he wouldn't pass me. And huh. I knew in that unspoken contest, that un you know unacknowledged but real contest that all men have with each other. We yeah. all know it's there. Yeah, I won. <laughs> I totally won. Now, like, I just kind of like would look at my rearview mirror and know, like, yeah, you're my bitch now. <laughs> yeah, you, you won't pass me anymore. You had your shot, you pull back, and now you're my bitch. And he was, he was keeping up with me, but he would not pass me yeah. at all. Was he wearing a flat brimmed hat? I think so. I really, you yeah. know, at least spiritually, he was. Motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah, my two week vacation that's the most interesting thing that happened to me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, let's, let's, I'll just say this: time with the family is relaxing. <laughs> That's good. You recharge your batteries? Sure. Yeah. You know, you just got to get away for a while. Yeah. Saw some people I hadn't seen in years. Saw my old friends. It was pretty good. Good. Did you see any movies? Yeah. I re-saw, me and my dad went and see Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yep. Which was worth it because that was a pretty good movie the first time. I had no problem seeing that again. He liked it. And me and my brother went and saw It Comes at Night. Oh, yeah. Horror movie. Yeah. Huge disappointment. Was it? Yeah. They've been I don't know. 
hard on Facebook. Yeah, they, they cut it. We, we could go back to our whole trailer episode and just stick it on that one because they recut that trailer to make it look like a really freaky, like, you know, things coming out at night, this family, this post-apocalyptic bunker type of situation. And nope, it was a weird convoluted morality tale that really didn't go anywhere or make any sense. I think they wasted their entire budget on Facebook ads. That probably was it. I it was it was in my feed like multiple times, multiple times a day, just yeah, all over the place. I was like, wow, they really want me to see this movie. It was bad enough that I actually kind of wish we'd have seen the Mummy instead. Which <laughs> I heard that was terrible. Yeah, I guess it tanked. So and, and knowing that afterwards, I was like, maybe it still would have been more. <laughs> it would have been better. I don't know. We saw Cars three. Was that still a comedy? That that some of those trailers for that baffled me. Um, it. It was more like the first movie. Did you see any of them? I saw the first one, but not the second first one. The second one was more, uh, I, I want to say, ridiculous, but we're talking about talking cars. So, But <laughs> the first one, you almost get the uh, Doc Hollywood vibe. Did you ever see Doc Hollywood? Yeah, yeah, where he goes off the road and ends up in Bumpkinville. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's, it's, the first one like, is basically like that, <laughs> where, you know, this guy... Yeah, whatever. It's more of a grounded type thing. Whereas the theme in the second one, it was a spy. They go to Great Britain and they, you know, undercover and there's a plot to foil, you know, nuclear missiles and all kinds of things. Is there an Aston Martin in the second one? Uh, I think, I'm not certain if there was an Aston Martin in the second one, but the one of the main characters in the third one is you can tell it's based off an Aston Martin. It's almost like we didn't get permission to put Aston Martin on a car, <laughs> but this one's an Aston Martin. I was which say, a spy movie about cars in Britain? If they don't have an Aston Martin, they miss an opportunity. Well, you know, uh, now that you mention that, <clears throat> Michael Caine's character in the second one was an older model. Like <laughs> it could have been an older model Aston Martin. I think like the original Bond type. Did but, he? Did he reprise his role as Austin Powers' dad, or <laughs> no? He was more of a straight up James Bond. Oh, okay, okay. But the second one wasn't very popular. It kind yeah. of, as far as you know, it went off the rails as much as you can be in a animated, you know, cartoon about talking cars. <clears throat> but the third one, really good message for girls, I guess, without being like punch you in the face feminism. It was more. So, I guess the third one didn't have female cars flashing their symbolic boobies at the male lead. <laughs> no, it okay. was uh, it was more. There's a female car that deals with uh, feelings of inadequacy that she overcomes. <gasps> As a big trunk. <laughs> some. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I bet there were some characters with like super big trunks. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to rewatch it, looking for car butts. Look for that junk in the trunk. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I don't well, see I don't see these animated movies until I they become accessible at home because I have made a vow that I'm not going to be that guy that shows creep. up at a kids movie. Yeah, by myself. Like I'm just I would sit in the back and be like waiting for all the moms to turn around, and kind of look at me. Yeah, like the entire movie. Like, what's this guy's plan, man? Almost like before the movie <laughs> starts, you have to make an announcement. Listen, I'm here to see the movie, not rape your children. Now, <laughs> I if swear, you can trust. <laughs> promise. Now, who wants some free candy? Just, I have a trench coat because I like trench coats. That means nothing. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I don't think we saw, no, that's the only movie we saw. We saw Cars 3, but um, I think I'd be the same way. I Like I said, I have that addiction to Disney movies. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, don't think I, yeah, I don't think I covered it in the collections episode that we had, but uh, the 
I remember you asking if the uh, how big of a collection that would be to have all the animated feature films. Um, do you know that uh, I don't pay attention to them if they're not numbered? And by that, I mean, you know how Nine Inch Nails albums all have the Halo number, like Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3, yada, 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 all the way up to like whatever they're up to now. Do, are, were you aware of that or am I? No, I never. Um, yeah, all nine, all nine Inch Nails had like all of his albums, even if they were a single. They... I just realized, sadly enough, I never bought a Nine Inch Nails album until they were like iTunes <laughs> or digital. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. like, I never actually bought a CD in the 90s or anything. I don't, I guess I just like, oh, they're on the radio, you know, Trent Reznor's on the radio. Cool. I'm going to, I like this song. I'm listen, but I never okay. actually bought it. Them or Tool. Do you mean to say you didn't buy a CD during the time of Napster? <laughs> what <laughs> is that? No. Is that an admission? No. Uh, if if you're listening to this podcast and have not downloaded music off Napster or Aimster or one of those services, LimeWire, back liar. You're a liar. You're a dirty you're liar. A, you're a dirty, dirty liar. liar. You're a dirty yeah. liar. You're like fifty plus. Yeah, maybe. I like. There's a picture of uh, LimeWire. It was a meme that went around, and it was basically the login for LimeWire. It says, back when you didn't care about giving your computer aids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I would download because I didn't use LimeWire. I used After Naps, or I used something called Direct Connect, which I don't know if it was a poor man's LimeWire. Whatever, for whatever reason, I never got into LimeWire specifically. But it was the same thing, and it wasn't just music. It was videos and whatever. Yeah. Every once in a while, I could actually get a game off there. That would work, you know, something like that. But... And I would click on some stuff, and I'd be like, yeah, I know this is going to be real with viruses, but nothing ventured, nothing gained, and boom. <laughs> I gotta play SimCity 2000 for free. <laughs> it's more like I gotta watch this uh, Japanese video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do you know what? There's an interesting trend going around uh, on Facebook now, and it accompanies videos. I just noticed it tonight. There's a video of a guy getting hit by a truck. And I don't don't ask me why those videos come across my Facebook feed. It's certainly not anything that I've ever shown interest in. So how much stuff <laughs> do you watch on a regular basis? But it, there are some it was it was mild. It was not. No, of course. No, I mean, it was a guy getting hit by a truck, but it was like. Was, was it Brad Pitt? <laughs> yeah. Meet <laughs> Joe Black. Oh, God, uh, that was awesome. No, it was like a motorcycle. Uh, one of those cameras that they have the GoPro on their and ooh, shocking mm. footage of somebody getting you know there was one where it was uh this motorcycle kicks a car when it drives by and the motor and the car tries to hit the motorcycle so it goes off the road and like sparks fly and it kind of flips once but you, that's all it shows but before the video starts it says explicit content you know viewer discretion advised mm. and then you watch it and it's a car that hits the jersey barrier and then flips once and it was no big deal and i'm like listen i've seen Two girls, one cup. You don't need. <laughs> you don't need to give me any warning at all. I'm desensitized to the max. It's, it's, what do you show the man that's seen Mr. Hands? I mean, come on. <laughs> right. The, like, I'm sure that there is probably somebody on the internet that watches that video <laughs> and is shocked that a car. <gasps> oh my god, a car got in an accident, and I just watched. Or a, a man just got hit by a truck going 20 miles an hour, and or, or somebody flipped on a trampoline and. It, it snapped a spring and it, they flung in the air the wrong way. Viewer discretion <laughs> advised. Come on. He probably twisted his back a little bit. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, like, that's probably they're trying to get us back to a civilized country. By, I know, right? Like, yeah, we're, we're okay, shocked by. 
Yeah. Nobody's shocked. Like, just seriously, before I went on this podcast, I watched a video on YouTube of a, a terrorist riding a motorcycle and getting blasted. You know, <laughs> he turns into pink mist by a, yeah. an A-10 Gatlin gun. It's like, yeah, that's next. What terrorists do, I mean. Right. Uh, it's the life cycle of a terrorist. You start off with a bomb on you, then you end up with a pink mist at some point. Right. Uh, anyway, I don't even remember what point I was trying to make. You like snuff films. I think that's what point yeah, I think, got out of that. I think uh, once you've seen some of these things, we'll talk about this. We're going to have we, a whole podcast about movies yeah, and things you just should not watch. But We we still got to get Rob back for that um, messed up movies yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Messed up movies. Um, yeah, because there's, there's some movies. There are some things that I've seen oh. that you can't unsee. And now that I've seen them, nothing shocks me. I mean, I remember See, I, being a kid... Uh, in renting faces of death from the video store and it was like it like back then it was scary to see a guy get pulled out of a boat by an alligator and you're like oh my god ah, I'm... alligators eat people yeah and then, not just on polo then, shirts yeah now if i watch an alligator pull a guy out of a boat i'd be like okay show me some body parts what what's going on <laughs> unless the alligator rapes them too this is nothing for me <laughs> that's right god it's so mild <laughs> oh alligators gotta eat too yeah, it's just nature, man. Don't encroach on the alligators. <laughs> an alligator. What is an alligator? It's like a alligator with a long nose and never forgets. And is scared of mice. It's scared of mice, yes. With big floppy so ears. Alligator comes your way. You better have a mouse in your pocket. <laughs> oh, poor alligators. I don't. I don't even know what I was going to say besides alligator. I'm not sure what I mashed up there to tell you the truth. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm sure that there's somebody that's sensitive enough that if they watch somebody get hit by a truck, they'd be like, "I can't sleep because I watched somebody get hit by a truck." It's like, yeah. I watched a <laughs> uh, another video today of a guy on a motorcycle. They were all these people protesting, and they were laying down in the road. And this guy on a motorcycle comes through and he revs the motorcycle. And so people like jump out of the way and then he goes through the crowd and it's, there were people that were like pissed off at him that he had gone through that. It's like, Hey, I have a pro tip for you. Mm -hmm. If you lay down in a road, the chances are good that you're going to get hit by a vehicle. I'm just saying like the motorcycle guy probably saved his life because of anything else. Yeah. Like the, and this might be a little sick of me, but I read the headline that a motorcycle drives through protesters laying in the road and my mind immediately went to him like popping wheelies and like smashing <laughs> their faces. And I'm like, I have to watch this video. I, See, now, I must watch this. If I had seen that, I would be thinking like evil Knievel, like this guy just like, jumped over five of them in a row or something like that. Like, no. Oh, no. Yeah, see, I want to, like, these protesters that block the road, I, I want somebody to, like, get a combine machine and <laughs> drive through them with, like, 50 cal machine gun mounts on it and he just laying waste to it. I don't know. I don't know what it is about protesters. That... Well, you got to love it because who's the organizer saying, how can we make sure nobody takes our side for any reason? Right. I gotcha. Let's piss hey. off everybody in a 10-mile radius. Right. All these people that need to get to the daycare to pick up their kid after work, yeah, you're not going to do it because we're going to protest and we're going right. to stand in the way. We're going to make and... sure that whatever our cause it causes, you're going to be against it forever and the rest of your life. <laughs> That's right. My That's favorite... a game plan that we have. My favorite was uh, those guys and girls in Boston that stuck their hand in a barrel of cement and let it dry. So these people were like literally cemented to these barrels and they made a chain out of themselves. And <laughs> they were like, this. yeah. So it, it was on the highway and they they bring out these barrels and they stick their arms in it and then pour cement and it dries. And 
they made a chain across the road. So it took forever, like firemen and it took like machinery to get them to move out of the way. And the, the funny thing about the whole thing was that they were on a road that was like right next to the ocean. (laughs) I, I kind of just wanted to have like one of the firemen say, let's just push the first one into the water. (laughs) <laughs> they'll all follow salt water dissolves concrete i'm yeah. pretty sure that's a thing <laughs> or at least i hope a firefighter had you know the wit enough to say there's only one way to get your arm out of this barrel and it's <laughs> it's after we attach it detach it from your body yeah look we'll have doctors on hand we'll sew it back on as quick as possible i swear yeah just hold still yeah but that is that is ultimately for me that's like if you want to call my attention to something and protest something you probably shouldn't stand in the way of me driving yeah yeah like and, i said you've guaranteed that i'm not on your side now right there are uh there are laws down south protecting people that run into protesters so oh my god i'm thinking like in north carolina and stuff it's probably not a good idea to to block the road because no no you're not brave until you do it in north carolina or alabama or something like that <laughs> right yeah Oh, so there's a protest down there and they're blocking the road? Jeez, I I didn't have to go downtown, but <laughs> how well can you dodge beer bottles? That's going to that's going to be uh, <laughs> you're going to find some hidden skills when you yeah. block a road in Alabama. Yeah. Well. Well, we don't I don't have a good way to segue into what we're going to talk about today. All right, we're just going to jump in. Let's just jump in. Let's talk today we're going to talk about shared cinematic universes. And not necessarily cinematic. Let's just say in the shared fictional universes, shared fictional universes, because it spans more than just movies. But I think it's it's pretty fascinating to me that there are movies that decide to share a universe. I, I'm honestly trying to think of a bad thing about this, and I'm hard pressed to do that because I like the concept so much. Yeah, it's some people might consider it or might think about it as a crossover. It's yeah. not. It's not. I guess it's it's a crossover to some degree, but I think of crossover as kind of like a one-off, um, like the Freddy versus Jason. Right, right. That's definitely a crossover. Um, just in kind of doing a little bit of research for this uh, episode, I, I found a crossover that kind of puzzles me, and I thought for the longest time that it was a hoax like an April yeah. Fool's joke that just kind of got legs. And the more I researched it, the more I found out that it's legit. It's an ad, it's a legit thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a crossover between uh, the 21 Jump Street universe. Yeah, and the uh, Men in Black. And, and Men in Black. It's not, it's coming up. It's not happened yet. It has not. And as a matter of fact, a lot of the actors for 21 Jump Street have said that they don't think it's going to happen. Ah. But... Because that's been a rumor for at least this whole year that I've been hearing about it. One of the uh, podcasts I listened to kind of dropped, I think it was on this, uh, Hollywood Babylon kind of like dropped that information a while ago for me. And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know, it just smacks of desperation, but maybe it could be done well. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, to me, at this stage in his career, I think it would be difficult to get to rope Will Smith into doing something that is such a risk that it almost seems bizarre. Yeah, they might since, get Tommy Lee Jones, but I I know Will Smith has been gun shy ever since he turned down the role of Neo. <laughs> that must have been a while ago, though. Well, he turned out well, yeah, but well, must have been. We obviously know how long ago that would have been. So he, he turned down the role of Neo in the Matrix to do Wild Wild West, and then his wife took up another role in Matrix Two to rub his face in it. Apparently, yeah, <laughs> suck it. 
Yeah, and Wild Wild West, while I, for whatever reason, actually enjoyed that movie well enough, did bomb, didn't it? It did. It was very unsuccessful. It was a body comedy. It was a, it was a Men in Black trying to recreate the same kind of magic type of thing. Yeah, it was a kind of a steampunk kind of yeah weird, and it just it didn't hit with audiences. But I think it had a fairly large budget, and it just didn't make the money back. So, I mean, it's not like it was a terrible film. It just, when they say it bombed, I think it bombed because it didn't make the money. If I'm but gonna, for I, my I, money, I, if I'm going to see a big budget sci-fi special effects extravaganza, I want some humor in it. Otherwise, yeah. it's just lifeless and hollow. I don't know, which is why I like the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's pretty funny. So, but there's a there's another um, there's a there's another shared universe that made its debut. We've already talked about it for a second. You mentioned it, uh, the Mummy. Actually, oh right, right, is uh, being launched by Universal as being uh, a sh- they're calling it the dark universe and they're rebooting all of the the monster movies of Days now of do you like i do some research and i'm guessing you might you probably know but maybe you don't that this universal dark universe you know monster movie shared universe thing is not the first time they've done this um i i bet that i could have some revelations if you started mentioning some things but i i wasn't aware that this i know that like as far as the books go and actually that was one of your trivia questions that dracula has appeared a million yeah, yeah. times um what was what did they do what was the oh this, this is the, i mean the whole shared this is a shared cinematic universe from the classic old old school black and yeah. white frankenstein movies frankenstein dracula, dracula. wolfman I got if on Wikipedia they got a chart and I've been looking at it. You got I'll just like hit some of the high points. You got Boris Karloff played Frankenstein, appeared in Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein. But then in the Ghost of Frankenstein, Lon J- Lon Chaney, who played the Wolfman, appeared in that. And then Frankenstein meets the Wolfman also had Bella Lugosi who played Dracula. And I think as Dracula. You know, Lon Chaney was there as the Wolfman. Bella Lugosi was there as Dracula. You had Bella Lugosi, you know, doing all these different Dracula movies. Appears in Son of Dracula with Lon Chaney as the Wolfman. Uh, <laughs> you got, and this is what the craziness is, because if you take anything long enough, it becomes ridiculous. You had two movies, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which had uh, Bela Lugosi in it as well, and Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man, which didn't have any of the crossover. I just thought I'd mention it. You had Abbott and Costello <laughs> twice. But, but yeah, they had, and then Bela Lugosi played different characters too, like a guy named Igor, which is not, it's Y-G-O-R, not Igor, you know, the hunchback is a different character, but yeah, you I- got a rich tapestry of guys jumping back and forth between these universal monster movies over and over again, appearing in each other's movies all the time. Yeah. Back in the 30s and 40s and stuff like that. Well, one of the things that uh, I've heard about this dark universe, I, I read yeah. an article where... I take that back, it's 40s and 50s, sorry. Anyways... <laughs> Well, um, same to same. No, 30s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Okay, I, I'm done. There you go. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that this shared universe, this dark universe, has kind of exposed a little bit to some people is they've greenlit a lot of these movies that are in the shared universe. Sight unseen. Sight unseen. They had no yeah. idea if The Mummy was going to be successful. And furthermore, they didn't care if it was successful. They were going to do it regardless. Yeah, so, it doesn't matter. People I will pay the money for it. Right. And that has something to do with the fact that the Marvel Universe was so successful mm-hmm. and they started green lighting movies before they had people attached to them. Actors, directors, scriptwriters, those types of things. They just they laid out a grand plan about what movies they were going to do. I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, maybe not, but um, they had 
kind of made a mistake, but not made a mistake. They they gambled on releasing uh, a big timeline of movies that they were going to film and, and release. Um, and I'm not saying that that bit them in the ass a little bit, but it really kind of put them in a corner about what they what story they were going to tell yeah, by yep. what what characters were going to be getting their their own feature films and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was one of the things that was disappointing about it. And um, I've talked to some people about it that aren't really cinephiles. They are kind of just casual watchers of these movies. And they, they were bummed out that they knew that there would be like X amount of Avengers movies and mm-hmm. X amount of Captain America movies. So it really sucked a lot of the surprise out of it. And, you know, if they're making, yeah. if they're making a third Avengers movie, you know, the Avengers are going to exist in that third movie. And in between no, that, nobody's going to die. Right. Right. Like they announced that they were going to do Civil War when they announced that they were going to do Avengers three. You know, like if Civil War is going to take place before the, any of these other Avengers movies, you know, Civil War is not going to pan out the way. It could have, I suppose, but it it just sucked a lot of the surprise out of it. Well, there could still be like one thing I'll say about the Marvel movies is they're maybe for good, maybe for bad, shying away from a pretty hardcore comic book trope, which is yeah, when a character dies, you know they're not not going to stay dead. Yeah, like a character dies for shock value, and then you're just like, all right, the countdown begins. When are they going to bring him back or her back in some shape or form? So like the Civil War actual comic book event, which was a really good comic book crossover. Captain America, quote unquote, dies mm-hmm. at the end, and not at the end of the Civil War per se, but like the follow up issue of Captain America afterwards. He gets shot by Sharon Carter, who's yep. being mind controlled by the Red Skull, I think, something like that. Um, <clears throat> but it turns out that it was a weird magic bullet that sends him back in time. Or no, no, I'm getting that confused. Yeah, anyway, because Batman did the exact same thing in, the same, in DC at the same time. He gets killed by the big bad guy in the DC universe's dark side. Gets sent back. Captain America and Batman go both "quote unquote" die at the same time. Get sent back into the past and have to fight their way to the future or to the present time. <laughs> it happened the exact same time in the comic books, and it was weird. Like I want to say that one of them was copying the other, but I can't prove it. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. So like the movie, like I digress. But the movies, if you're worried about, you know, yeah, okay, they've announced there's going to be Avengers three that's going to be split into two parts. So obviously Captain America is going to have to be around for that. Doesn't necessarily mean Captain America is not going to die. I actually expected him to die at the end of that movie and then them to bring him back as a big surprise kind of like as much as this movie sucks batman superman superman dies we all know he's going to get resurrected in the justice league movie spoiler alert they <laughs> i don't know uh yeah the the final images in that movie didn't they show his grave with like floating rocks or some shit yeah exactly you could tell right there something's happening yeah. i just read today the new justice league trailer supposed to have superman in his black suit which is what happens in the comic books so you know when he gets his resurrected, morning suit. his morning and evening suit. He's very formal. No, <laughs> I, no, I know what you mean by well. doing the pun. I don't care. <laughs> uh, that was it. goddamn clever. <laughs> Come on, that was M O U R N M O R N. I got you. You know, I got you. Fine. I was just uh, <laughs> his jammy jams. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's funny. But uh, yeah. But he is a. Uh, of course, in the comic books, he gets resurrected without any powers. Guessing they're not going to do that in this. No, he's got to anyway. have the powers. Well, he gets them back eventually. Did you see the meme that's going around the internet? Or maybe it's a, just a joke, but it's Batman hates Clark Kent. Uh, Bruce Wayne hates Clark Kent so much. <laughs> he's sitting around. He, he sees uh, an article that Clark Kent 
wrote about Superman. And there's a picture of Superman. And of course, Batman being like jaded, he draws glasses on Superman like uh, nerd. And then he looks at it and goes, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> did, this, did this guy just write an article about himself? <laughs> I have not seen that. That's actually sounds yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, so, yeah. So, like you said, though, with a shared universe, you know, A, B or C has to happen. Yeah. Like, and that's what I, 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 I I'm sort of in this boat. And I feel like a lot of people like you said, the non-cinephiles, that moment at the end of Iron Man, the first Iron Man, when uh, Nick Fury pops up and talks about the Avengers initiative, mm-hmm. at that point, this was just an Iron Man movie. We had no idea what the rest of this was going to happen. Right. You know, there had been a Hulk movie that tanked, or was it? Y- yeah. There yeah. Had been, Hulk, yeah, because there had been a couple. There had been a couple of Hulk movies that tanked. No, because Iron Man pops up at the end of the Hulk movie with Ed Norton. When General Ross is in a bar, Tony Stark pops in and says something like, I got something. I yeah. Yeah. So so it was like it was a crappy Hulk movie, Iron Man. I still say halfway decent Hulk movie though. It's still kind of bombed. And then you start to get the picture. Okay, this is going to keep going. Then mm-hmm. I can't remember what the order was. Captain America, Thor, you know, all that stuff started yeah. happening. And they were onto something good. Yeah. And when these movies started, and the first Captain America and the first Thor were not great movies, but they, like you said, they banked on it. They were they had the momentum behind them. Like, yeah, we're doing this regardless. Yeah. And they just kept on going. All of a sudden, they rule the world now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I think the Marvel Cinematic Magic Universe is kind of the king right now. Yeah. And, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy are rolled into that. And everybody loves Guardians of the Galaxy. Which you got to wonder, would it be as popular the first... Do you think they would have even risked it if it not had had the Marvel momentum behind it? Like, do you think a studio would have ever taken Guardians of the Galaxy by itself? And said, no. yeah, we're going to turn this into a movie. I, yeah, Absolutely I agree. Not. I don't think it would have either. No, but so this did, is why the shared universe thing I think is a net good. Yeah, I mean they can they can kind of pick up the slack with each other because I mean I I hate I hesitate to say that Thor's one of my least favorite characters, but like I'm going to see the Thor movies because it's part of the cinematic mm-hmm. cinematic universe. Um, but of the Avengers and all that, I like Chris, Chris Helmsworth and actually the guy that is directing the the next Thor movie, Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. He the he did. They're like taking a serious gamble on this guy because he's a comedian. Yeah, that's right. You, I remember you showed me that with that vampire thing he did. Yeah, he did uh, what we do in the shadows, which is a mockumentary about about uh, vampires, and it's it's, it's freaking hilarious. Yeah, but it's it's very specific type of comedy. Um, and uh, I noticed in the preview to the new Thor movie. That it is. It's done in this guy's style, and they are taking a huge risk. I guess I could. I I say they're taking a huge risk. They're not really taking a huge risk because no, they know, yeah, that's they know people are going to come out and watch yeah. because it's connected to the other one. I mean, they're taking a critical risk. You like the critics might lambast it or something like that, but financially, they're going to make money on this. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so yeah, I'd I'd say Marvel Cinematic Universe Cinematic. God, cinematic. <laughs> I just let you go with it because I liked it. it was By the way, uh, when we saw Cars 3 at Cinemagic, they only played one trailer. Of course. Was it Detroit? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. He oh, made no. kids. Yeah. What? Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was. It was like Despicable 3. Mm. Or something. It was another kid. Um, well, another part of this, the genius of these shared universes, whether they mean to or not, you cut out so much of the unnecessary fluff by having this. Like Civil War, they could just jump right in. Mm-hmm. And I didn't need the backstory of all these people. Like I, I rewatched that when I was home this last two weeks. My parents, I was like, "Yeah, it's pretty good." You know, they're kind of they like some of these Marvel movies, and they just were looking for something to watch. And 
I forget because since they're not immersed in this, they're asking like, "Who's that guy?" It's like, "Ah, that's Ant Man." They never watched Ant Man. You know, yeah. which one's that one? You know, that's Scarlet Witch. This one's or not technically Scarlet Witch, but you know, this is Wanda Maximoff, and this one's right Black Widow. Like, they weren't quite sure who all these characters were because they didn't watch all these movies. They enjoyed the Civil War movie well enough. You know, they knew Spider Man, Captain America. You know, the big right. people were. But for the person that's invested in these shared universes, you got the backstory out of the way. You yeah. can just enjoy it. And they can jump right into it and flesh it out so much better. Like the Batman Superman movie. I'm going to shit on this every podcast. I don't care. They had to retell Bruce Wayne's origin again. Yeah. And nobody needed that crap. Yeah. I I mean, they they could have started the movie by saying, uh, anybody that doesn't know how Batman became Batman, raise your hand. Okay. You people out. (laughs) And punch yourself while you walk out. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to America. I know you you must never have been here before. Right. But uh, yeah, you, you make a good point that like they are able to spend more time on other things because they, for the most part, the majority of the people that are sitting there watching civil war have sat through the other movies as well. So they don't need, they don't need all that other BS uh, shoved down their throat before they get to, you know, the plot and stuff. And really, if you think about it, like all the other movies are a build up to civil war. Well, to some degree, I I say that like that's the end all be all. But they're all so far, yeah. They yeah, but they are all technically building up to something even bigger, and that's Infinity Wars. Well, I mean, Civil War has been described as Avengers two point five, right? Yeah, it was it was Captain America movie, but it was basically the Avengers came together again, right? They've been hyping the Infinity stuff, which is why I was mildly disappointed that Guardians of the Galaxy two had nothing. It, it, it did not advance the Marvel universe as a whole at all. Kind of a standalone. I haven't seen it. It was yet. it was thoroughly standalone. Like the first one had one of the Infinity Stones. Yep. It had Thanos. The second one mentioned Thanos. He never appears. Has nothing to do with Infinity Stones. Like you could watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy and then go right into the new Avengers movie that's going to be coming out, never having seen the second Guardians of the Galaxy, and you'll have not missed, except for some character development of those specific characters, you'll have mm-hmm. not missed anything that you needed to know for the larger story. I don't know if that was on purpose or how the director wanted it. He just like, I want to tell this story and only this story, Mm -hmm. which, you know, if that's the way it was, you got to kind of give him props for that, for having the balls. But, but yeah, it was so that I was, like I said, I was mildly disappointed because I did thoroughly enjoy the movie, but yeah, they advanced the larger Marvel tapestry. Not at all, except for one throw, like, have you heard the theory about Stanley? How he, you know, how he appears in every single Marvel movie? Yes. He people are saying he's the character of the Watcher. I don't know if you're familiar familiar with yep. this character, big yep. ball guy, literally watches everything that goes on. That he's supposed to be the Watcher. Well, he does appear with a group of Watchers really? on some nameless planet somewhere. Yeah. Whether that means he is one or not, it's a little bit ambiguous. But that was kind of a cool little Easter egg. Yeah, that's interesting. <clears throat> Twice. I mean, and in Guardians of the Galaxy, I had I think something like five post-credit scene holy shit yeah it never ended like just when you thought you you had to sit there until that last little watermark popped up because you just weren't <laughs> sure they just kept going with it you're like oh my god um well that's cool uh let's talk about an unsuccessful shared universe or a shared universe that um so far unsuccessful <laughs> so far it has tried to reboot itself a couple times and is uh well, i thought you gonna say the dc universe <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I guess that they've rebooted enough times. Oh, uh, Batman. Yeah, Batman. Batman has rebooted itself a bunch of times. I, I, I have to admit that I didn't see all of the middle Batmans, the George Clooney. Um, you did not see Batman and Robin? 
I I saw it, but it, I'm almost. <laughs> but I repressed it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I turned it off or was doing. I saw, I saw that in the theater. That I think I'm not gonna say it's the first, but it's at least one of the first I remember sitting in the theater watching, going, "Wow, I kind of want my money back. This is just god awful." Yeah. I walked out of that theater vowing never to watch that movie again, and I never have. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it, but in parts, in in pieces. There are a couple of movies that. Uh, I'm. I have on my shame list my <laughs> my list of movies that I should have seen start to finish, but I've just never sat down and watched the whole thing. Yeah, I, there are a couple that I could tell you. I could mention them right now. I could say I've seen this movie, but not in its entirety because I didn't have an opportunity to sit from start to finish. Yeah. I'll keep those to myself. Me and my therapist will know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I was talking about X Men. I was. Like okay, yeah, they kind of. Oh yeah, you're right. They try to reboot the crap out of that. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the the symptoms of Marvel not having 100 percent rights. You know, yeah, different studios own different properties. You know, that's that's gotten bad enough that the last one, Logan, I guarantee you, is going to be everybody's going. If you if you're looking for continuity and, and straight up canon, eventually that's going to fall by the wayside as far as canon goes. I guarantee. Because Logan as, dies. Spoiler he, alert. He, he dies. He applies things about, you know, the movie has heavily implication about what happened to the rest of the X-Men yeah. and mutants in general and all kinds of stuff that if they're going to keep going with the X-Men franchise, you not revert it back to the Marvel banner or something like that. You know, kind of like how Spider-Man's doing. Yeah. yeah. That Logan movie, as good as it is, I thoroughly love that movie. As good as it is, it's going to fall by the wayside as far as continuity and canon and all that stuff. Like, it's going to be like, it's a good movie. Take it for what it is as a standalone film. Yeah, but it's not connected in any way to the rest of it. Until like, he, I, until he shows up in a Deadpool movie, maybe, <laughs> which will never happen. But anyway, no, I, I would, I would be surprised. And no, even I then, can't. the Deadpool movies are not really related to the other ones. I, I don't, I feel like they're not. Well, I agree. They don't, they don't exist in the other Marvel movies. Um, I know that they're trying to make it relevant by bringing in. They're, they're trying to bring in more legitimate characters. Um, he even breaks the fourth wall in that movie and talks about oh, yeah. not being able to afford certain X-Men and stuff like that. So I think that if they if Deadpool could exist in the current Marvel Cinematic Universe, they would. You know, I think that they would enjoy that to some degree, but I also think that that wouldn't allow it to have an R rating. No, it's better off the way it is. Yeah, I agree. Like they shouldn't try to shoehorn it in. Or make the rest of the X-Men movies R-rated. <laughs> I'll be fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be okay. I mean, it's you've got people watching super, uh, superhero movies now that are adults. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't make two versions of the film, but you certainly, you can't say that these superhero movies are kids. Some of them. I, you could you could definitely shoot one of some of them into the kids category. But uh, I, I, not, I, not kids as far as like preteens or something like that, but as far as like mid-teens. Yeah, yeah no, I'm I, I'm talking like, 10 year olds and okay no yeah you're right no definitely not but i'm um, i mean there are i there are, like kids love little kids love that stuff oh sure i mean they love the spider-man movies i every little kid i knew in the world loved all those spider-man right. movies but i mean they're right full of violence and fighting and conflict and yeah you're themes that i listen i'm not about censoring i'm just saying that no but i mean the cartoons they watch are all that way too so i mean nobody's nobody thinks twice about a certain level of violence you're like you got most parents are never going to let their kids see, you know, heads getting ripped off and, you know, somebody getting eaten alive or something like that. But punching I, each other, shooting lasers that don't really do much. Yeah, that's fine. I think required viewing in kindergarten or 
or preschool. You should before you get to kindergarten, you should have to watch Fist of the North Star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's talk about heads exploding. Holy crap, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, I think that, oh that should be like it's every child needs to watch that. Yeah, and just say, listen, that's a great anime. Yeah, you need to raise your hand before you open your mouth, or this is going to happen to you. And then just, just like point your fingers at him. <laughs> Here it comes. Yeah. There goes your head. You better grab your skull, Tommy, or else it's gonna explode. <laughs> ah, I want to behave. I'm gonna be good. I'm, I'm, good, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or Kira, if you want to go with the Japanese animation route. Yeah. Uh, be nice, or Tetsuo is gonna come for you and squish you with his giant flabby blob monster body. Now, speaking of anime and cinematic universes, and not necessarily cinematic in at in a whole, I'm saying a universe that spans like the gamut everything books games Mm -hmm. uh, movies tv shows uh i went to um i'm in a a facebook chat group with a bunch of people that are like-minded nerds and geeks and people that are into this type of thing and i posted a question and it came the the responses were fascinating just absolutely fascinating i'll tell you the gist of my question was my daughter is seven years old and she's getting into pokemon Mm mm-hmm She's starting to ask questions. She's starting to want to watch the episodes. She has a Pikachu stuffed animal. She has, you know, we played Pokemon Go last summer when it was all the rage and everything. But right, then right. It kind of fell by the wayside. But she's starting to get back into it. So I posted the question of how do you introduce Pokemon or a seven-year-old girl into the Pokemon universe. And man, didn't I get a whole bunch of different responses. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> I, I probably just, some people even said, like, don't do it, you know? Um, yeah, I did get I did get the one guy that was like, you should sell your daughter to the circus and go spend that money on, you know, horse and booze. Just yeah. the one. That's yeah, just the one guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, guy. Wish, I wish yeah. Facebook had, like, a, a, a troll filter. I wish that yeah. there was a troll filter on Facebook because it's terrible. But um, yeah, I had some good responses about people or what people think exist in the Pokemon universe, and because it Poke, Pokemon missed me, I was too old. I yeah, think me too. It, I it, never got into that. When Pokemon hit, I was a too old, and B had different interests. You know, <laughs> so like I was, I had just gotten in. You know, I was in the army. And, you know, I just I didn't have the ability, the funds or anything to go buy Pokemon cards and get into that. So yeah. it just kind of passed me by. Not that I'm I, I would never look down on it. I think that it is just as legitimate as anything else. And, you know, it's popularity. It's I, I think it's the number one uh, money making franchise or something like that. I want to say worldwide, it's like the highest grossing franchise in history. <laughs> Every time people start talking about Pokemon, though, I can't help but think of. Chim Pokemon from South Park, that episode. I don't know if you watched that a lot of South Park no. today, but they just relentless. It was Pokemon was it was you know the Pokemon allegory. Chim Pokemon, where all the kids in the country were becoming like mindless slaves to the Empire of Japan, who's going to use it to all the kids to take over America. And the parents were like, "I don't know if this is good or bad." It's like, well, it's not bad, but it's incredibly stupid and. Just it's running the minds of our kids, and the only way they could get get the kids to stop doing it is if they, they thought it was cool too. Like, hey, take your uh your penguin and battle me. Let's do that. And they're like, uh, no, I'm all set, Dad. Go away. <laughs> and that's how they got them to get out of it because like, once the parents were into it, it wasn't cool anymore. Yeah, I the best advice I got from that question I posted was from a guy that 
really opened my eyes that Pokemon is a very social thing. And his advice was uh, to forget the original games for Game Boy and stuff because they were trash. He said, mm-hmm. they're good for nostalgia and that's about it because they're really, they weren't great. <clears throat> he said it would be more important that to find out what her friends are into and kind of steer her in that direction. Like if they're watching, because they, on Netflix, there's a, there's a, a Pokemon anime that's new. Really? Because I, for whatever reason, caught some of the old, like an episode here or there of the old series. Yeah. And God, that was awful. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm serious. I, 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 like you said, I don't want to shit on something that everybody loves, but for a cartoon, it was just asinine. I don't know, man. I, well, maybe it, I'd just be a snob, but I don't think that I could properly put an episode into context like Dragon Ball Z. I have yeah. uh, friends of mine that religiously watch Dragon Ball Z and they followed it and they knew everything. I caught maybe like a half of an episode here or there and it was the most confusing shit I'd ever seen. I was just, it turned me right upside down. I had no Full idea. Full disclosure. Who. Yeah, I was a Dragon Ball Z fanatic. I, I was that guy. Yeah. A friend of mine in college, like a friend of mine got me into it and I knew at what point which characters were stronger than the other ones and who could beat up who at this stage of the series and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, Goku every time. I'm sorry. Except for once. <laughs> if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, you know the one time I'm talking about. So there you go. I know enough Dragon Ball Z to understand their pop culture references. That's it. Yeah, there you go. But um, uh, he he said that it was incredibly social and whatever her friends are doing to just foster that. And then the That's rest will come. Advice. And I said, damn it, I'm a completionist and I'm going to start her from ground zero <laughs> and she's going to watch every episode. She's going to play every game. I'm going to buy every card. And I was, he's like, it's, I'm a completionist too, but it's just not practical with Pokemon. There's just, it's <laughs> such a huge universe that you can't, you can't do it. I can so. see your daughter sitting there. Dad, can I just go to bed? Did you capture Mewtwo? Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't capture Mewtwo, you can't go to bed. Yeah. No wow, dinner. Just, actually, I'm ashamed of myself that I know that reference to tell you the truth. I'm probably butchering it, but still. Yeah. Um, I, I played the Pokemon go game for a little while, but like I said, it, I lost interest. It was, uh, it was terrible. I think that that was a, such a, they rolled it out wrong and oh, yeah. they charged money and it wasn't anything I was interested in. I wandered around on my break once my lunch break with a guy from work, like across the trail, the railroad tracks and all kinds of stuff to yep. hunt down. I was like, wow, this is annoying me. Like it, within two minutes, I was like, I'm already annoyed by this. I'm sorry. Like, I could never do this forever. I don't know what that says about me, how lazy I am or what, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I could, well, they, I could they not. Great for getting people out of the house and <laughs> you know, get, getting people walking and exercising and stuff. And so I imagine that, that there were some good parts to it. But if I was just, walking around, I'd rather just listen to something on my with headphones, you know. That Yeah. <laughs> but that was that was interesting that um, you know, that is an entire universe that spans games, TV movies books. yeah that is a different way of looking at it like it's a cross genre yeah um it's funny too because i just watched a clip today of uh you ever hear of the witcher yes the video game right yeah it's a video game like the witcher 3 came out a couple years ago and it's one of the most popular games like like everybody talks about it was like one of the most perfect games ever made blah 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 yeah. really good game um my friend was playing it when i was on vacation kind of got me back into it started playing it but it's based on a series of books written by this polish guy whose name i could not pronounce and i was watching a little uh, interview with him and he's he's talking about how yeah i wrote the books and they licensed the game but in my mind the game and the books are not connected whatsoever yeah like they're using like they're using my characters for this game but you can't look at the game 
and say it's a continuation of the books. He said something about comic books. You can't look at a comic book and say it's a prequel to the to the books. Like the the comic books are its own thing. The books are its own thing. The game is its own thing, and never the twain shall meet. I don't know if that was him being a snob about other media, but it kind of like there's two ways to go with it. Like you said, the Pokemon are related. They can all take place in the same universe between the games, the cards. Yeah, the, the physics all act the same. Yeah. And then you have something like this where it's all the same characters, but there's different versions of it. So it'd be, it'd literally be like Marvel Universe saying, okay, you watch these Captain America movies, the Thor movies, the Iron Man movies, and then we're going to put out um, another, like a short TV show, but we're going to throw everything up in the air. You know, I wouldn't like that so much. Like the TV shows they have, the Daredevils, the Agents of Shields, all these stuff like that, take place in the universe, even if they don't, they just pay lip service to it. They still, you'd know that somewhere in this universe, you know, the Hulk is jumping around buildings. Yeah. That means something. But saying that all these different media are not related to each other, I feel it detracts from it. I don't know. Agreed. Uh, well, one of the things that I find attractive to those dare to, those Netflix shows and stuff like that is the knowledge that, yeah, we're watching uh, you know, the Daredevil and the Punisher take down this mob. But in the meantime, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are doing something somewhere else. And right. in the meantime, you know... Star Lord is doing his thing in outer space, and in the meantime, uh, Captain America is you know trying to take down X, Y, and Z. You know, so that's what I find attractive. If they said to me, you know, if, if you said that these TV shows are exist in the same universe, or they they belong together but they're not in the same universe, I that wouldn't be as much fun to me. I wouldn't I wouldn't care for it as much. And the only reason I gave Agent Carter even a single watch was because it was part of the universe exactly yeah and i was not i don't i think i've mentioned this before i don't know if this makes me a misogynist pig or a sexist asshole not a big fan of the agent carter show not because it was like a strong female it just it did not have engaging storylines in my in my opinion yeah i i, I don't know did she, have, did she have a comic book that was no she was a completely original character to the best of my knowledge okay because before, movie and then the tv show yeah because she was in captain america and it almost felt to me like somebody watched that and said hey you know what i bet we could get people to watch a tv show with her and in that's it. exactly i watched the first season and part of the second season um because it was this character from these like okay let's see what they do with it let's see what how this character has evolves and what you know what's the backstory of how shield came to be not engaging enough for me to keep going with it, but I I did appreciate that they tried, and it like you said, it gets some momentum behind it. It gets the it's part of this universe, so I'm going to be at least partially invested from the get go. Yeah, before before you know my eyeball hits the first second of the screen, I'm already sort of invested in it. Yeah, and it's genius from a marketing standpoint, from a creative standpoint, storytelling standpoint. It's actually very useful. Agreed. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Go to TV. Well, before before we do, I did see something I kind of wanted to touch on for a second something yeah. about upcoming shared universes okay and, and some of these were a little ridiculous like you said the uh 21 jump street men in black crossover is supposed to be happening yeah but uh and then they, this this resource i'm using talks about <clears throat> like the lego movie which is just you know to be expected all these lego movies are obviously going to be taking place in the same universe lego batman yeah ninjago which i've never heard of but whatever oh, but huge. there's one <laughs> do you remember the cartoon from the 80s, Mask. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching it a little bit. There's Hasbro is going to apparently going to be trying to make their own shared universe. Really? So you got, yeah, you're going to get G.I. Joe, 
Mask, Micronauts, Visionaries, and Rom Space Knight. Supposed to be coming up with different movies and then crossing over from according to this. So G.I. Joe will be a reboot. Another reboot or maybe a sequel. I don't know. I guess I'm not sure. I never watched those. I watched the first one and I, was, I called it good because it's pretty terrible. But uh, once and I guess this last Transformers movie is the last with Michael Bay. I can totally see them jumping with both feet and doing, OK, Transformers, G.I. Joe, all these other toy line cartoons. Boom. Shared universe. That's happening. I have no problem believing that's going to happen in the next five, ten years. Yeah, I think they might be digging a little too deep. Yeah, well, okay, I can see it. I I should say that I have no trouble believing it's going to be attempted. Right. Yeah. And then I guess there's another one, um, Valiant Comics. It was a late, I want to say late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Wannabe rival for, you know, Marvel, DC. They're taking some of their stuff and trying to make movies out of it. And then, you know, make a whole shared universe. Yeah. So, yeah, look for it. Well, I, I guess before we leave movies, maybe we don't have to for good. But I wanted to mention a couple of a couple of things that uh, the internet has a has had a lot of fun trying to make a shared universe. Oh yeah, the, fan theories and stuff. Yeah, yeah, fan theories that actually sound plausible. Plausible, and, right? Um, one of them is uh, Quentin Tarantino films, which is not so much fan theory. Like he's confirmed a lot of this. Yeah, he has confirmed it, but not come out and said. Like it, it's more along the lines of people asking him questions and him saying, "Yeah, sure." Well, some of it's set in stone, like the Vega brothers. Yeah, you had Vince Vega and Pulp Fiction, and what was the the brother, the, the Reservoir Dogs, which I can't remember his first name, but the one that dances around, chops off the cops here. Ah, what was his name? Anyways, good movie, good character, but I can't remember his name. But yeah, those are definitely like they were linked. Like he just said, they were brothers. Yeah, and. uh but supposedly all of the Quentin Tarantino movies exist in the same universe. And can you hit me with a, like, I think I know most of the links, but I want to see, like, do you know where all they, all they, they all fit in? I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I could probably Google it right now and tell you. I want to say it starts with Django, Django Unchained. He's supposed to be the ancestor of, I almost want to say Sam Jackson's character from Pulp Fiction, but I'm not, 100% 100% sure on that. But somebody from True Romance, uh, Balky, I can't remember the guy's, the actor's name, is supposed to be related to somebody from, I want to say, uh, Inglorious Bastards. I, I, you know, I, I saw this all before and I cannot remember the connection. Every one of his movies, you're right, does have a connection with each other. All right, let's. Or maybe it was the, the Bear Jew guy was related to somebody. That might have been it. The Independent Film Channel has a really good write up on it, but it's. Okay. Uh, it's um too long of a read <laughs> i'm looking for something a little bit quicker they even they even fit kill bill in there saying that this was uh uh uma thurman's when her character talks about the pilot she was in yep in uh pulp fiction that's what kill bill is <laughs> fem force five or whatever it was oh yeah that's right and this is okay so this is just an advertisement for django unchained so anybody listening you can google quentin tarantino's shared universe and yeah. find a whole bunch but uh it's supposedly there. And then the other one that is incredibly fascinating to me is uh, the Pixar movie. Oh, yeah. And it, doesn't movies. it involve some kind of post-apocalyptic? Yeah. yeah. The, uh, something dark. Oh, God. It might be from Monsters. No, not Monsters, Inc. doesn't start it. I don't remember what movie starts it, but I think Cars. Cars is in there early. Yeah. And we're, humans are just like, uh, like we're just picking up where the, the cars left off as far as civilization goes and traditions <laughs> and stuff. Uh, but there's, there is a post-apocalypse. That's why the toys and Toy Story story come alive. Maybe it's the monsters in Monsters, Inc. Could be, yeah. Or that's like, 
Wally's the one cleaning up after the end of the world or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that I find that fascinating. Well, the not fascinating enough to go look at it right now, but the most fascinating one I've always thought was uh and I think you gotta know where I'm coming from at this point is the uh the Whedon verse. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I a lot of his stuff is the same, but the uh the cabin in the woods Anybody that hasn't seen that needs to go see it right now because Cabin in the Woods is one of the best movies ever. Rewatch that. Cabin in the Woods when the ancients come to life yeah. at the end and destroy the world. That's when Firefly picks up. It goes a little beyond that. So you have you know obviously Buffy and Angel because Angel's a spinoff of Buffy takes place in the same universe. Yeah. That's blatant. But so this is the one I saw that really tickled my fancy, as it were. <laughs> um, so yeah, Buffy and Angel. If you, I don't know, did you ever watch Angel? No. Actually, it wasn't bad. The whole thing about Angel was there's this evil law firm called Wolf, Ram, and Hart, where the senior <laughs> partners were demons. Of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the, the end of the Angel series, it's it's hokey, and it was hokey for the thing, but it's not as bad as it sounds. But at the end of the series of for Angel, the senior partners get awoken, and it's like an apocalypse type of scenario. Like, they're getting ready to fight a dragon or something like that. They don't, it's all off screen. Yeah, because they don't have the budget to actually show that stuff. But but the the implication is that's the moment when the ancients in Cabin in the Woods arise too. Like the 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 whatever agency was keeping them down, yeah, was being run by Wolfram oh. and Hart. And when that collapsed, and the the senior partners of Angel were the same as the ancients of the Cabin in the Woods, and they're rising at the same time. Yeah, and then Earth becomes a shithole because of the ancients. Everybody leaves. In Firefly, you know, they never say quite what happens in Firefly, right? Just, they say the Earth gets used up. Yeah, the Earth that was, you know, all that yeah. stuff. And then you have River and Firefly start kicking ass, especially in the movie. Yep. She's a new Slayer. After hundreds of years, a Slayer gets called up again or something like yep. that. Like Buffy. And she just happens to take out the Reavers. Right, yeah. Which, uh, and then there's somehow the, the TV show Dollhouse gets worked in there too. That has a whole post-apocalyptic thing going on with it at the end of that series. But yeah, it's it's really fascinating that you got to wonder: Does Joss Whedon did he mean for any of that, or does he just have such a style of writing that it naturally fits together? And the fans really wanted it. And to the happen. fans, yeah, are just that's what we live in the day and age of people watch and rewatch and have access to all the information they need to shoehorn all this stuff in there, right? Which I think <laughs> is a good segue to the next part: TV shows. TV shows. Unless, yeah, and this is, I, I know that you've done a lot of reading on this because I've I, I love your um, ability to connect all the the New York sitcoms. Oh, I am a rank amateur. I just found that out. Well, okay, I'll give you my little uh, what I noticed from an early age from the from the nineties. Okay, because I remember being like a you know teenager or whatever, early twenties or whatever, watching these shows in the nineties and the early aughts, no, really the mid to late nineties. The, the NBC shared universe, which they, they did and didn't mean to make this. Like you had mentioned at the beginning, uh, crossovers yep. were not the same thing as a shared universe. And these are really more the category of just crossovers to try to bolster you know awareness of these different shows. Because you had the juggernauts. Yeah, unwittingly, they created a giant universe. Exactly. Placing characters from one show into the other. Yeah. So you had the two, there are two juggernauts in the mid to late 90s were Seinfeld and Friends. So I noticed this at a young age. There's an episode of Sign of Mad About You, which I guess was a fairly successful NBC show that I just didn't watch all that often. Yeah, that was Paul, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser, Helen Hunt, Helen Hunt, right? Yes, yeah. 
So there's an episode of that where Paul Reiser's character, after he gets married, she finds out he still has an apartment in the city. Tells him he's got to get rid of it because it's like a weird anchor, blah, 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 blah. Drama, drama, drama. So he goes to that apartment. He's been subletting it to none other than Kramer. Yep. Not Michael Richards, actual Kramer, the character. Yep. I remember watching this. I'm like, okay, so Kramer, so this means Seinfeld and Mad About You exist in the same universe. Yep. Like he, he mentions, like, hey, whatever happened to that guy that lives across the hall? And he was like, oh, Jerry, he's writing a pilot for NBC. Like it's a throwaway line for a joke because that's what the storyline right. inside. You get to laugh. You get to laugh, right. but what it doesn't understand is it start. It puts a you know builds the <laughs> foundation for. They've opened the door. They've opened the door. Yep. So later on, there's an episode of I think within the first season of Friends where Helen Hunt and her friend or sister, like I said, I never really watched that show that much, pop up in the coffee house, uh, Central Perk, and they see Phoebe. Phoebe, uh, <clears throat> Lisa Kudrow played a bit part of a recurring character in mad about you which she played her twin sister ursula like this the twin sister that pops up all the throughout the whole years in friends was as that character in mad about you yeah as a waitress in some coffee house so they see phoebe thinks she's ursula joke 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 whatever it's just a show hey we at nbc are all fun you know these shows that you like we like them too we're just gonna mix and match them it's great have fun but that has now opened the door. So now you have sign. You you could conceivably have within this fictional universe Jerry Seinfeld jumping bumping into Chandler Bing. That could happen now. This, the rules have been established, yep. and it goes further. Like I plotted down the mix. That I just remember from my memory. There's an episode of Friends where uh, Leah Thompson appears. She had a show at the time called Caroline in the City. Now she doesn't specifically appear as Caroline per se. Like but she, there's she plays a Caroline character. Yeah, it could definitely be her. Like it's kind of maybe implied, or you could at least shoehorn that idea in there. Like she sees Joey and Chandler when they get off a bus, thinks they're gay, something like that. But there is an episode I and I did not realize this because I didn't watch too much Carolina City, where Matthew Perry appears as Chandler hitting on her friend in right. Carolina City. Okay. There's also an episode of uh, Jonathan Silverman's show, The Single Guy. Yep. Where Ross, as you know, David Schwimmer as Ross appears in this. Sh- episode i did watch the single guy fairly dedicated and yeah he appears and lots of gay jokes like they think each of them think each other's gay but yeah it's ross as the character in this show so now you have seinfeld friends mad about you single Single guy Guy. caroline in the city all these shows are now sharing a universe (laughs) and actors because ross's ex-wife's girlfriend the actress that played her also played a different character on single guy and i remember thinking that at the time like so what if these so what if Ross sees, you know, this Jonathan Silverman's friend, who's also Susan from Friends? Are they going to comment on that at all? You know, it's weird stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Or uh, can't you also tie them into Cheers and Frasier? Or is that a different? Oh, yeah. You get ready for the rabbit hole. <laughs> this is what I discovered. And I, I had heard about this years ago, but I've forgotten. Have you ever heard of, and this is, I'm just going to whet your appetite with this. One. This is called, called the Tommy Westfall Universe. Uh-huh. No, I haven't. This is not, this is literally, well, maybe not literally, but practically every TV show you've ever watched can be linked in such a way that they all belong in a shared universe. Holy shit. The, the stuff I just went through is just what I remembered off the top of my head. There are charts. You can Google this. The Tommy Westfall universe. It all starts with one TV show, St. Elsewhere. Ah, yes. That was the reason, hospital, St. Elsewhere, Yeah. Right? It was a hospital drama in the late 80s, I believe. Yep, yep. And uh, like Denzel Washington and I don't know, the voice for Kit. I, it, was, <laughs> it was the Grey's Anatomy at the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
people like Howie Mandel, people you would recognize. Lots of people that went on to do other stuff you would recognize. Um, I never watched it myself. I seriously, I'd never seen a single episode, but I've, it's, it had such cross-pollination that I couldn't even help but be aware of it. But because this thing touched so many TV shows, there's a flow chart that's like bananas crazy, like the ratings of a madman just linking everything together. And I'll, I'll touch on it, right? Like you said, Cheers and Frasier. There was a crossover between St. Elsewhere and Cheers, just to start there, where <clears throat> some characters from St. Elsewhere appear in, in Cheers. And there's Cheers did this a few times. Like um, different characters, like see here, uh, I'm trying to find it. Donald Westfall from St. Elsewhere appears in Cheers. And then the way this works is other characters from different shows appear in Cheers too, or a, something else from St. Elsewhere appears in another show. So it links them together, but, you know, like I was talking about. So there's a flow chart, and then there's like a key just telling you what <laughs> how this how to read the flow chart this is this is what i was going to te- uh, tease you at the top of the podcast that i'm going to lead you down this rabbit hole oh are you ready for this buckle up yeah i'm 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 strapped in all right <clears throat> i'm just going to go through it so you have and this is just one corner of this tri- crazy chart in scene elsewhere you have a character called westfall westfall craig and oshlander they visit cheers bar in from cheers norm cliff and the uh two cranes you know treasure and lilith yep. visit wings it kind of ends that little snippet ends there, and i do remember those episodes of wings personally yep cheers had a spinoff called the tortellis and another spinoff obviously called fraser on fraser john larroquette shows john you remember the john larroquette show yep very brief but there's a character called john Hemingway who calls into fraser's show his psychology or psychiatry radio show which as a little aside Look it up sometime. Celebrities coming out of the woodwork did the voices for all the call-ins for that show. Yep. It was weird. But uh, this guy, there's a character called in the Fraser show. On the John Larroquette show, they have a reference to this something called Yo-Yo Dine, a company. <laughs> Yo-Yo Dine was also, remember how I mentioned the show Angel? There was an evil law firm. Yep. It was very important. Well, Yo-Yo Dine was a client. In one episode of Angel, they say that one of their clients is Yo-Yo Dine. Huh. Uh, Angel's a spinoff of Buffy. <laughs> in another episode of Angel, one of their clients is, and I shit you not, Waylon Utani. Oh no! A throwaway line, but they say in one episode, "Oh yeah," and our and our client Waylon Utani <laughs> is a is a client of Wolf Remen Hart. Waylon Utani in an episode of Firefly made some of the weapons oh, used no. by Firefly's Malcolm Reynolds in the Battle of Serenity. I love that theory. <laughs> And just to tie it all up, a Firefly-class ship, is, which is unique to the Firefly universe, is visible in a scene in the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Oh, yes. I knew that. I didn't know that. I never heard that. So, <clears throat> Firefly and St. Elsewhere share a universe. <sighs> How many degrees of separation? Uh, let's see if I can count them here. St. Elsewhere to Cheers, so that's one. Cheers to Frasier, that's two. Frasier to John Larroquette, that's three. John Larroquette to... Angel is four. Angel to Firefly is five. Oh, so five degrees of separation. Just five. And then Firefly, so from Battlestar Galactica to St. Elsewhere, is six. There are six degrees of separation between Battlestar Galactica and St. Elsewhere. <laughs> now, one thing I should mention, I, I feel like it's a cherry on top of this whole crazy <laughs> craziness, is uh, the reason it's called the Tommy Westfall theory, which if you've never seen... The show, which I never have, it's kind of notorious. And I guess in their last season, they're going to get canceled and they convinced the show to go on with one more season. And the very end, it's one of those looking back on it, ridiculous, but probably seemed profound at the time. The entire show, it's revealed that the entire show is the 
imagination of an autistic kid named Tommy Westfall. Uh. Kind of one of those, it was all a dream type of things, which, you know, is so hackneyed today that it makes you cringe just to think about it. Yep. But yeah, so that means, implication-wise, almost every show you watch is, is... nothing but an imagination of an autistic kid. <laughs> Friends, Seinfeld, Battlestar Galactica, Firefly, it's all just one kid's, and I think he's sitting there looking at a snow globe, imagining all this stuff. So yeah, they all exist in the snow globe. Oh, God. And nobody knows. It's a metaphor for real life. Yeah. And they just uh, keep doing this stuff. Like X-Files and the show Fringe. I think I mentioned this to you years ago when I started watching Fringe was one throwaway line is, you know, we've, this reminds us of the old X-Files designation, you know, stuff like that. They just, they keep doing these with these shows to try to, hey, remember this one show you liked? Well, our show, you know, we're going to reference it. So you remember. <laughs> yeah. We're going to tie these two things together. Um, one thing I remember hearing about the, uh, friends universe is that it might not it, it one of the things that ugh, it's hard to get around is they don't acknowledge 9-11 yes in one episode or no at at some point they start showing the opening credits with the skyline of new york without the twin towers and that's really the only acknowledgement that 9-11 happened otherwise these people who probably would have been very close to the actual attack yeah would never they never talk about it. They don't acknowledge it in any way, shape, or form. Listen, when you got to find out if Ross is going to boff Rachel again, you can't really be worried about terrorist attacks. I'm sorry. <laughs> I suppose. Priorities. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, this this blew me away. Like, I, I love, love this. I don't know what this says about me. Oh, oh, one of the best ones. And this is a direct crossover. Remember the show Oz on HBO? Yes. Another one I had. Alcatraz? It was, it was a prison. I can't remember. I don't think it was, I don't know, I've never really watched it, but it was like a really stark, messed up view of a prison with all the fights and, you know, shower rapes and whatever have you. Right. That was directly related. They had the company that bought St. Elsewhere in the last season also was by, was like running uh, the Oz prison or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they shared writers. The same writer from St. Elsewhere moved on to Oz. Yeah. And they just do this. That's what writers do. They just put their little stamp on stuff. So think nobody's going to notice it's just a little throwaway thing to giggle about nope welcome to the internet age motherfucker everybody notices everything well i was um when i was preparing for my interview with john lear i was i watched a video of him um talking a little bit about writing writing for a tv show yeah. and he was absolutely sick and tired of creating character history oh yeah and and that's one of the things he says is some of these studios and some of these writers and they demand uh you know a, a thorough history of basically everything that you're putting in the show and he it was exhausting it was just absolutely exhausting coming up with backstory for this guy backstory for that girl backstory for this person these people are connected in this way and just writing it and writing it and writing it he said he's I'm sick of it I'm sick of doing it I can't I don't want even want to do it anymore but just that tells me that there are writers that were like, okay, this history is this moving on. And they well, can, let me ask you, why do you think that? Like, why, why would you think the studios were so gung ho about that? Do you avoid plot holes? Maybe. To, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. In this, um, in this day and age of where everybody pokes holes in everything. And I, yeah. I'm sitting there saying everybody, I'm right there. As anybody listening to this podcast knows, I'm right there with them. Yeah. Yeah. Just go I, back. I, Listen to our of, potholes episode. Exactly. And you'll I am see right there much. with him. Like, okay, this doesn't make sense because this guy said this in this episode and blah, 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 blah. Studios are probably very hyper aware of it. Like very, okay, we, the internet nerds are going to come out in force if we don't keep a tight narrative on this one. You know, something yeah. like that. 
Well, when you've got TV shows like like Westworld, the fans, yeah, before they even started shooting season two, had already guessed and ruined uh, plot point for the second season. So they admitted that they had to go back and rewrite because fans had ruined it. Really? What? I don't think I heard that. Yeah. Uh, if you if you just look up Jonathan Lo- Nolan season two ruined plot or whatever on mm-hmm. Google, I guarantee you'd get it. He's he did an interview with somebody and they asked about overzealous fans and he said, yeah, they, they already had broke the code for one of the plot points in season two and we've got to rewrite it. See, that's, was, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say that's, that's funny because it reminds me it's a bit of a divergence, but um, <laughs> how fans, like I got my first taste of this with a uh, book series, the wheel of time series. It's a fantasy series. Yep. Uh, really, really good if you like fantasy, but I will too, to my dying day, like the, the 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 author Robert Jordan created a very complex universe with you know hints here and a throwaway line there that meant something. Mm-hmm. It was it was for me it was Westworld before Westworld. It was Lost before Lost. It was oh like the very first thing I ever saw in the like I'm not even kidding you. The first thing I ever saw on the internet was what's called the FAQ, the Wheel of Time FAQ, uh-huh. which was like dozens of pages of of theories and piecing together like esoteric little bits and pieces to try to make up what's going to happen here and what does this mean and what's this character doing as that, a side like, note i just just to let you know i remember the exactly what the first thing was i looked up on the internet too but anyway go ahead it was probably porn wasn't it just no it thing. was uh sound files for aliens the movie nice yeah I like that. it was the wave wave yeah, sounds yeah. from the movie aliens yeah. so i i the very first thing i got it uh aol online the free <laughs> 40 hour disc put it in dialed yep. it up and the very first thing i looked up was uh game over man game over ah uh-huh. uh, so we're both just dying the will nerds <laughs> yeah anyway i derailed you you were saying well yeah i mean this was uh, on windows 95 with a dial-up modem when i was in high school like i didn't even know really what the internet was i was vaguely aware of this thing called the internet I'm like you can find something like this on the internet but anyways my point was I did, I took a little winding path here as far as fan theories. Like I said, the fans were picking this apart, picking this apart. There's this one character who okay, I'm just I'm just gonna speak to my fellow nerds on this one, my fellow fantasy geeks. Masrum, I was I will always say Masrum Tame, even though Jordan himself says it's not pronounced that way. Fuck it, I'm gonna say Masrum Tame. Everybody in the grandma thought this guy was supposed to be a character called the Mandarin, the big bad guy, and he's like, no, no, he's not. Fuck you demanded somebody else you haven't seen yet and he didn't pop until after the author was dead and the new guy picked up the last three books demanded popped up as nobody from nowhere then a group of people that you didn't care about whereas if it would have been this Mazram tame guy it would have been significant huh. and i am convinced to my dying day that he meant it to be Mazram tame and then when everybody figured out he got really sullen and petulant and said no fuck you then i, I i'm gonna change it just because you figure it out well eat a dick i'm gonna say no and he, he just changed his mind and give a big middle finger to the fans. I I will never not be convinced of that. You will never conv- convince me otherwise. That's funny. But that's my uh, my rant slash diversion for the day. <laughs> well, what are some other universes? Um, TV can oh, be covered. Oh my god, it's all encompassing. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I feel like I went a couple episodes and I'm getting Jonesing, so I'm gonna mention this. H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. been jonesing for it. But yeah, I mean, this guy wrote horror stories in the 20s and in the 
in the teens, I think in the thirties, maybe not. I think maybe he died in the twenties. But uh, yeah, I think he can't remember offhand. Jeez, for me being such a self-proclaimed fan, you think I would know that? Anyway, he wrote a series of short stories that slowly over time started reincorporating characters and elements from each other. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned the same town, the same monsters, the same characters, reuse the same characters. That he created his own shared universe, but that this guy was such a heavy promoter of people like flexing their muscles as far as creatively and writing and literature that people that this was like the 1920s like the only way you could communicate with somebody long distance was letters so we could see exactly like he kept all his correspondence and you could see exactly what kind of relationships he had with people that were fans of his like he would write for uh weird tales magazine and a couple of other magazines that were printing horror stories Mm -hmm. that people would read them and like write to him like hey i'm a big fan kind of like you know you with uh yep mr john lair so People would write to him, hey, I'm a big fan. He would respond to him, hey, that's great. You know, what what kind of things are you trying to do? And if he liked what they were doing, he would let them use his characters. Really? One of them being Robert E. Howard, who, if you don't know the name, you know the character, Conan the Barbarian. Uh-huh. Conan the Barbarian, the early Conan stories, heavily reference Lovecraftian elements. Like, just throwaway lines about this monster, this god, this thing. But... Robert E. Howard was a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft. They were friends. The guy that wrote Psycho was a huge devotee of H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. and wrote a lot of stories that incorporated. So this all got rolled into something called the Cthulhu Mythos, which is kind of funny because that was a label slapped on it afterwards. He always thought that if you're going to name something, um, you know, his collected universe, you should call it yogg soth which yogg soth <laughs> yeah, he made a lot of crazy names. Yeah. Uh, yogg soth was one of his characters, but Cthulhu was more... I, I see why Cthulhu became like the figurehead of his thing because that was of all the monsters he made up, that was the most fully realized and visceral and just badass of mm-hmm. all. Of them. Not the most powerful in his little universe or the most evil or most anything like that, but yeah, he was Cthulhu was a big squid headed, dragon winged giant monster that just starts eating people as soon as he appears on screen or on page. Yep. Yeah, that's catch the imaginations of everybody. Plus, The Call of Cthulhu is an excellent story. I encourage everybody to read, if nothing else, read that one. Now, is that the first time you became aware of a shared universe, was reading him? No, I mean, I frankly became aware of a shared universe when I read comic books. Yeah. Because See, I, when, I, you, when you read X-Men and then they reference something that happened in the Spider-Man comic book or something, you know, or their, their yearly crossovers... Yeah, then you can't help but be aware of a shared universe. Because I, I read comic books too, but I think that it kind of got past me. I don't think that, I mean, I may have been aware or maybe I just didn't read the right comics, but I did not have a, like I read a lot of Punisher and a lot of Batman. And of course you're talking Marvel and DC. So mm-hmm. that didn't cross over much. And then I read Gru and that <laughs> didn't cross over with anything. So, I mean, some of the independent stuff like Ralph Snart and stuff like that. And so I didn't, I didn't catch a lot of the um, the shared universe. I became aware of a shared universe versus a pre or a sequel because I mean, to some degree, a sequel of a movie is a shared universe, but it's still on the same vein. So I don't, I don't count that, I guess. But I became if it's aware. Just a direct sequel, yeah. I, I, you're right. It has to be something of its own that ties in. I think. I became aware of a shared universe uh, reading two books, Tales from Moss Eisley Cantina and Tales from Jabba's Palace. Oh, yeah. Okay. Two books that were a collection of short stories, and all the stories pertain to those two moments in time in the Star Wars movies. So, <laughs> book Tales Give from Moss Eisley. Give me two moments in time. 
<laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that popped in my head. That's okay. I encourage you to just sing, belt just out sing. whatever you want at any time. Uh, but if you read Tales from Mos Eisley Cantina, that scene in Star Wars where Obi-Wan is looking for transport and he finds Chewie and Chewie talks to him and then mm-hmm. he talks to Han and then Han and Chewie and Luke and Obi-Wan and, you know, okay. So that whole scene in that movie is very rich with characters. They make a point to pan around the cantina and show you all these different aliens and stuff like that. So somebody got the bright idea to take those characters and write short stories about them. But it's not necessarily, it, it It only takes place, or I, I shouldn't say only, but that scene in the canta- cantina exists in that book for all those characters. Do they do you know the what I mean? Armless guy is an asshole or? Yeah, they do. I don't remember what it is, but they talk about him and, mm-hmm. and his, the reason why he was wanted in so many systems and all that stuff. It does. It, it, if tells the story of all those people that you see and the same thing goes for tales from Jabba's palace in that scene and return of the Jedi when they go to Jabba's palace and uh, there are all those characters there each of those not (laughs) all of them obviously there's not enough time to read all that but they pick some of the more interesting characters and then they write short stories about them that all exist in the same universe and I remember reading that tales from Mos Eisley Cantina and just being like oh man this is awesome because it's all in the same universe. It all takes place at the same time. And, you know, I might read one short story about why this person is in the cantina. And then I'm going to read another short story about why the, another person is in the same cantina at the same time. And I became aware of shared universes and started paying more attention. You, I don't want to interrupt you if you have more to No, You have totally reminded me of something. I didn't even think of this when we picked this topic or started this podcast, but it just popped into my head <laughs> and it means nothing. But for years now, I have had an idea for my own shared universe. Like if I was going to write, like I keep feeling like I'm self-promoting myself, but like, like I've mentioned before, I kind of wrote a book. Yep. Still trying to make it work. I have parallel. I have had an idea for a different series of books or no, no, actually, I should say that a different novel, but because I can't imagine writing more than one book about it. Maybe, but uh, it would still be in the same idea of a shared universe, which is I'm fascinated with the idea of people, like actual real life people without throughout history who have disappeared without a trace. D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. I have. Yes, exactly. I bought three books about three different real life people that disappeared. And uh, one is Spartacus Mm -hmm. because nobody knows exactly what happened. Probably died, but nobody knows for sure. One is a a guy from the Old West named Black Bart. Yep. Was uh, like the gentleman's bandit, I think they called him. He just kind of, he was like this uh, bank robber, train robber kind of guy, just disappeared one day. And then, yeah, D.B. Cooper, who I think performed the only successful airjacking, if I remember right, to this day. Oh, there's been some airjacking. I'm, <laughs> I'm almost certain. Been How successful are they, though? When the stewardess like, gives you that frown, I don't know. It's not exactly <laughs> When she brings you a blanket and you didn't ask for one, you, you know you may have crossed the line. <laughs> sir you're on a list now i just thought I'd that's right that. sir what you're doing is not illegal but, but nobody wants to watch you do it <laughs> just look her in the eye if you make her that uncomfortable i think you've won something <laughs> hey it's good to know that we made it to perv corner <laughs> pervert corner's back oh <laughs> uh, get it down the plane <laughs> yeah anyways but yeah i i can't get thought out of my head yeah just get yeah, to the bathroom you know those poor stewardesses they don't want to see your junk spraying everywhere <laughs> when 
Don't assume you know what they want. When William Shatner yells there's something on the wing, that's not what he wants to be talking about. Oh, Twilight Zone. That's great. (laughs) We we have to bring uh, Tales from the Crypt in here somehow. There's got to be a way. (laughs) Oh, I just did. I just said Tales from the Crypt. There you go. But yes, anyways, my idea was there's a reason why, like, the connection between all these people that disappear, you know, Amelia Earhart. There's there's this really kind of cool story called, uh, not a story, it's uh, it's a real thing called the Isdal Woman. Mm-hmm. who they found this corpse of a woman. The circumstances around her are really freaking weird. Like Roanoke Island, like the different disappearance, like even though Roanoke Island is really not that big a mystery, everybody knows really what happened. But anyways, uh, Roanoke Colony. But uh, like real life disappearances that are all connected in some way. That could be like a shared universe type of... Okay, so let's let's break this down. So you have all these prominent people from history that have disappeared. And, and possibly their disappearances made them prominent. But either way, some of them, yeah. The fact that they disappeared and okay. So what if we make it so there's uh, there's this place in Wyoming called Devil's Tower, and then we have a UFO come back and say, "I I thought about you. We had them the whole time." (laughs) I I I I never. It's never a fully formed idea, but yeah, I definitely batted around the idea of okay, aliens or weird secret societies or like. I feel like I don't want this. I don't want to say this out loud because maybe someday I will write this, but. No, I can't because somebody's going to listen to this and take the No, quickly write it down and mail it to yourself. Yeah, what's today? It is June twenty fifth, two thousand seventeen. You heard the idea first. Plagiarizers, beware! <laughs> it is now in record. Yeah, fuckers, still mine. Um, okay, so all these people, men and women, have disappeared without a trace, and then somebody is going to stumble upon them. Living the time froze for them, and they stayed in their younger bodies, and now they're on an an <laughs> island in the South Pacific that nobody's ever seen before, and they're partying like motherfuckers, just total <laughs> like orgies every night, and like they're making their own alcohol and getting fucked up on it. It's a it's an island full of immortal Greek women. I'm not going to call it Paradise Island or Themyscira or anything like that, but you know, yeah. And the one Where guy the shows up and ropes. Yeah, one dude Ooh, invisible jets. <laughs> Tiaras. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think we're onto something here. Did you did you see the Wonder Woman movie? No, I haven't yet, but I I want to. I know that there's like an outcry of, from people saying that it's ridiculous that she only received three hundred thousand dollars salary to make that movie. But seriously, okay. I never heard of that. That is ridiculous. Oh, it was... but but that doesn't include all the points she's going to get. Uh, you know how much um Chris Evans made for Captain America, his mm. first Captain America movie. Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh, well, there you go. But that's that's the thing is when these studios make these movies and they pay a base salary of X. I think uh, that's what Chris you have an Hel- agent for. We negotiate. Chris Helmsworth made two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the first Thor movie. But what what they what people aren't taking into consideration is there's a bigger contract. So they might make a base salary of three hundred thousand dollars, but also built into their contract is if it makes you know, 500 million worldwide, they're going to get a percentage of that. So she'll probably end up with like $9 million at the end. Yeah. But her initial salary is $300,000. Of course, a feminist journalist took that and ran with it and posted this, you know, article that she had to retract because she looks stupid doing it. She, <laughs> she posted this article saying, ah, she only got paid $300,000. See, so we, she hasn't broken the glass ceiling. It's still, you know, discrimination against women in Hollywood and, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, hey, dummy, she's going to make she's probably going to make more money than half the men this year that are in movies. Yeah, exactly. Except, except Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, besides the fact that, yeah, she's not an A-list celebrity and B, 
this is the ground floor of a shared universe. The exactly. characters come back again and again and again. Yep, she signed on for three movies. Not, well, how much did she make for the uh, Batman Superman movie? Or did she have to pay them? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I, <laughs> I doubt she got paid too much, except for the fact that it did make money. So she's probably mm. getting like residuals. And- if you ever thought there was no God before, the fact that Batman Superman made money should drive that home now. <laughs> I'm going to go look and see how much it made. I probably can't remember. Uh, yeah, world, anyways, I, worldwide, I think it did, but I, I, I don't remember why I asked you. I had a point to make about that, and I <laughs> completely forgot. Uh, come back to me. Your amnesia is rubbing off on me now. Yeah. Well, according to the internet, that means that your brain oh, is I remember. making you smarter. Back in the pervert corner, there was nary a mention about lesbians in the entire thing. I was annoyed. Wait, we have an uh, island full of women who are apparently immortal with no men, haven't even seen men in thousands of years. You know there's some rug munching, scissoring action going on here. They don't even mention it once. Not once. <laughs> well, it did not ring true to me. It was not realistic whatsoever. Explain to the listening audience what rug munching and scissoring is. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you do want to do some arts and crafts and you want to make some nice collages. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Uh, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice was eighth on the year for uh, total gross. Uh, yeah. Rogue One. Being the first one, five hundred thirty-two million gross domestic. So uh, Batman Superman made how much? Batman vs Superman made three hundred and thirty million. God is dead. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> Batman vs Superman. Donna Justice. If there is a hell, I'll see you there. Production budget was two hundred fifty million. It made three hundred and thirty million. <laughs> uh, it made five hundred and forty-two million foreign. So worldwide. Batman versus Superman made $873 million. Yeah, I'm, I want to punch a goat. Don't ask me why a goat, but I want to punch a goat. Well, probably because you like a baby goat? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Fuck that kid. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, he's right out of there. So, Batman versus Superman was eighth on the year. Suicide Squad was ninth. Yeah. Doctor Strange was 13th. See? That's messed up. Doctor Strange was a way better movie than either one of those. Uh, Ghostbusters. I think Doctor Strange was stellar either, but it was way better than those ones. Ghostbusters was 21st. I, I want to see it. Seen that. Uh, production budget of $144 million. It only made $128 million domestic. and only made yeah. $100 million worldwide. So worldwide, it made $229 million. I mean, it pulled a profit. It, yes, it made a profit. I, I have to admit, I didn't absolutely hate that movie. I, I still haven't seen it. Ooh, this will be a good one. Independence Day Resurgence production budget of 165 million only made 103 million domestic. I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I have no interest in seeing that. I had no interest in seeing that when I saw the first preview. I had uh, see. Okay, once again, every podcast I got to men- mention H.P. Lovecraft, and I got to be an elitist snob. Okay. And when I saw the rumblings of a Independence Day sequel, I'm like, yeah, no, it's going to be terrible because sequels and remakes, by and large, are terrible. And mm-hmm. I've not been disappointed for the most part yet. So you plebeians and you're clamoring for sequels and remakes are just contributing to the problem. Oh, I love this movie when I was a kid. I should, I would totally want that to be remade. No, it's going to be terrible. Robocop remake. That's all I got to say. Yeah. I'm trying to find the worst failure so far uh, for 2016. I might have to go back to the, oh, no, no. I thought I, thought I saw the Fifty Shades of Grey. Was that pretty bad? I didn't like see it. Bomb. No, I mean, like, did it bomb pretty good? I don't know. I didn't find it. This was a spinoff. It was Fifty Shades of Black. I think it was probably like... Isn't it the Marlon Wayans one or something? Probably. Here's a, here's a good bomb right here was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Oh, yeah. Production budget was $135 million. It only made $82 million 
domestic. Uh, That's funny because I just was thinking this the other day. I feel oddly, I've been feeling oddly sorry for Megan Fox. I don't know why. I'd have to call this probably one of the biggest failures. It still made money worldwide. Uh, Deepwater Horizon. It's the one with Mark Wahlberg about the, oh, uh, the oil drilling for oil and the explosion. Uh, production bucket was 110 million. It only made 61 million gross. It only made 121 million worldwide. So, do you think Marky Marcus hit his expiration date? Like, what was that one he did about the Boston Marathon bombing? Did that do any good? Patriots Day. Patriots Day um, yeah. I just saw that. That was uh, that made a uh, production budget was only 45 million. It made 31 million domestic. Oh, yeah. 48 million worldwide. So it profited three million. <laughs> but that movie wasn't made for everybody. That movie was made for, like my wife, people that have run the Boston Marathon. And oh, sure. Well, I mean, it was made for like you know the patriotic, jingoistic, yeah, kind of audience. I suppose. Yeah. Um, I can't believe Moana came in so low. Moana was eleventh overall in 2016. I find that hard to believe. I don't have a number on domestic, or I'm, I don't have a number on its production budget. You have to imagine it was somewhere around 200 million. That's what these. That's what these. Uh, animated movies are yeah costing to make 200 mil but um i think if you got a star like a big a-list celebrity does a voice they can demand the same kind of salary they do as if they appeared in person i never i never i was wondering about that yeah exactly uh x-men apocalypse production budget was 178 million only made 155 domestic did baywatch bomb like maybe the rocks passes expiration day too um i don't know i enjoy him I uh, I mean, I got nothing against the Rock. I'm just saying. I know, but I like yeah, making I, the draws. I yeah, he might be played out. Do 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 do. Any guess on this year, 2017, as of right now, what the number one grossing movie is? 2017. Hmm. I'll give you a hint. Hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy is second. Civil War this year? That was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Man, I really can't think of what came out this. Year. Um, Transformers. Nope. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Oh wow! wow so Disney surprising. Disney has the top two spots this year so far: Beauty and the Beast, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Wonder Woman third. That's made quite a bit of cash already. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, Boss Baby, right there, eighth. <sighs> They've already greenlit a sequel. Not man, I, miss, I totally miscalled that one. Yeah, I'm not. I feel you. like I'm not ashamed of that because it should have been the way I said I was going to go. <laughs> like I'm ashamed of everybody else, not myself. <laughs> I fell asleep through it. <laughs> there you go. Okay, you redeem yourself. No, no, I almost. That almost made five hundred million worldwide. Can you imagine? Alec, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. My oh. kids love it. I'm telling you, my kids they love that shit. Kids are idiots. Not yours yeah. in particular, but all kids in general. Yeah, they they don't know what they like. They don't, they don't know what they like. Yeah, they'd like anything put in front of them. Baywatch production budget was sixty nine million. It made fifty six million uh, so far. It's still in a couple of theaters, but I still kind of want to watch that if for Alexandra Daddario, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, this has got to be a flop. Got it. Yes, the Great Wall with Matt Damon. Matt Damon. That was such a blatant. You know, hey, China's a big market now. We're gonna market to China. That was yeah. just. It was all day, every day. That's Hollywood where it made all its big money. outrage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, hundred and fifty million dollar production budget. It made forty five million domestic. <laughs> but I bet you it killed in China. Two hundred eighty six million foreign. Oh wow, that's it. So, yeah. So it didn't even make its money back. Oh no, it did. It did. It's three hundred and thirty-one million total worldwide on a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. Oh, so I don't know. I, for whatever reason, I thought you said four hundred for something. Never mind. No. Um, and that's what. This is what's pissing me off. Is Hollywood is really kowtowing to the foreign markets. They know that's where they're going to make all their money. That they changed their scripts 
like the one that I will never forget, and it wasn't even China, it was um, Russia, was World War Z. Mm-hmm. The original ending of World War Z was supposed to be Brad Pitt crashes in in Russia. They put him in some kind of press gang where they, you know, take him into service, chain him with a bunch of other prisoners, and give him, you know, pitchforks and shovels and crap like that to fight off the zombie horde. Mm-hmm. That's not a badass, but it kind of makes Russia look bad. So they changed the ending so they could sell the, mo- the movie in Russia. Stupid that- Russia. Raptacular, you know, tiptoeing around the lab, Damon Lindelof shit fest. That ended up being <laughs> yeah. fuck Damon Lindelof, man. Stop writing movies. Just you gotta have enough money by now. Just retire, dude. You 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 shit on everything I love so far. Just you gotta stop now. Oh, you want to hear? You want to hear the bomb of the year? Oh yeah, what's that? And I I know this isn't gonna surprise you because we've talked about it before. Ghost in the Shell. Oh yeah, that's. I mean. It doesn't surprise me now, but it did surprise me when I heard about it the first time. $110 million production budget. It made $40 million domestic. It only made $129 million. Uh, I mean, I say that, but I didn't go and see it. So I didn't. Know. Yeah, I didn't. But, I mean, it, the Super Bowl commercial that ran for it looked fucking awesome. It looked visually. That's what I, everything I heard about it was visually amazing. Just, it was a shell. Oh, Ooh, poignant. I see mm, what you did there. Yeah. It was hollow and superficial. I, mean, I am zingering it up tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder Woman is killing it. Which, it was not a bad movie. It definitely head and shoulders above Suicide Squad or Batman Superman, but I can't, I'm not sitting here saying it had its hokey moments. Like, the closing scene was goofy as fuck. And it had some weird, I don't know what its message was supposed to be, but it, like, it had a message but didn't stay on point. I don't know. Yeah. And it devolved into, like, it started off pretty cool because it used more practical effects and then devolved into a CGI fest at the end. Having said that, it was, you know, I'd give it a six, seven. It was worth watching but not anything to write home about you want to hear something interesting the fate of the furious which this this uh fast and furious franchise is has blown yeah it's a juggernaut yeah lost money in the united states really yeah 250 million dollar production budget it only made 225 million uh domestic because people got burned out finally take a guess just a wild guess what it made worldwide 400 million one billion dollars. Oh my god! One billion thirteen million foreign. I've, I've heard that. That's it's so like yeah. That's where it makes all its money is international because it's more universal than most American movies. Like it's a diverse cast. It's all about cars and riding fast, which everybody can relate to in any country. You know stuff like that. Yeah, but it's not uh, small town America. You know, a hero arises from a town in Iowa to see. You know stuff like that. It's something that people in. China and Japan and Russia and France, Germany, whatever country, Australia you want to think of, people can relate to it. So, yeah. Kenya, whatever. <laughs> uh, Fast and Furious 6 had a production budget of $100 million. It did, you know, $238 million domestic, but then it killed it. Uh, $550 million foreign market. Huh. I watched like two, yeah, I think like two movies from that franchise, and that's about it. I saw the first one. I don't think I saw another one past that. So the first one and the first one were... Vin Diesel comes back. Yeah, that's the two I saw. That was it. Well, I think that we've talked about an hour past. Sure, yeah. <laughs> sure that's okay. Uh, anybody that's still listening, thank you. Yes, you stuck with us. You're probably you... like, holy shit, guys, get to the trivia. Where's the trivia? I can't wait to hear what you ask each other for trivia questions. We know that's the number one segment that we do every week. I want to bring back the Legacy Vault. Oh my god! How many times have we talked about that? I don't know. <laughs> every, every podcast, we're like we're totally bringing back the Legacy Vault, and then we don't. We got to do it. 
We oh, uh, just today, just this morning, I found one of our brackets that we and it was one of the themed brackets. It was um, oh, from like six years ago or whatever. Yeah, I remember we talked about it where we sat down. Yeah. And we, it was uh, revenge movie, revenge movies. Yeah, like take, Taken and oh yeah, like that. rampage movies, not revenge, rampage movies. So like Kill Bill, yeah, yeah, Kill Bill. Um, yeah. Or rampage. <laughs> of course, I didn't bring it into the bunker, so I have no idea. But First I found rampage. one. I found one. I'm on. I'm hot on the trail. I will you, find you, all those. I want to see that original paperwork we did. Yeah, from all those years ago. Man, that was one good month. Man, we were productive. <laughs> That's right. Sitting there, letting the inmates play slap and tickle while we. We literally had inmates beating the shit out of each other while we were figuring out which movie was the best. Well, not necessarily that, but we were asking inmate opinions on <laughs> movies. We got some pretty good opinions. Oh, yeah. Everybody has an opinion. That's right. Yeah. I've been thinking about selling some, my opinion. We had other uh, COs, given our consultants. I remember one in particular had no idea what he was talking about, and we just kind of eventually said, okay, stop. We, we're all set. Never mind. <laughs> um, let's do trivia. Okay, you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I'll go first, just because I'm not happy with my trivia question. I might have two <laughs> trivia questions, just because Ooh. there was there was one that I didn't know how to word, and I have a backup. So. See, I, I could do two at any given week, but I'm I'm saving one for my emergency trivia question, like I had mentioned before. I got a, I got a backup emergency trivia question in my back pocket. Okay. Just so you know. There is only one state in the whole of the United States that doesn't share any letters with the word mackerel. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, this is hard. So there's no A. Let's see, uh, no, I was gonna say Georgia, but that's both have E's. Uh, it's this is a fucking hard one. This is hard. I would not have got it if I had not already looked at the answer. I I say I wouldn't have got it. If we were on trivia night and you and I were sitting at a table and somebody asked this question, first we'd throat punch them. Wisconsin. Wait. No. I'm like I, it's it has a Idaho? Okay. Nope. No. It's mm. mm. <laughs> a fucking evil question. This is evil. I'm like a, you're testing my geometry geometry. Geography sure. knowledge. And I've always fallen short on geometry. I god damn it. <laughs> How many, how many of those summer shandies have you had? Damn it, just three. It's it's enough though. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Oh, I'm so sad, pathetic. Um, <laughs> U.S. Geography. geography. Uh, there is only one state without sharing any letters with the word mackerel. M a c k e r e. M a c k e r e l. Let's see. Not Louisiana. I'm gonna go through all the. I'm gonna go all the states. See, okay. It's not Idaho. It's not uh, or Alaska. The freak states. <laughs> Simpsons quote. It's gonna be Oregon. Puerto Rico soon. It's not Puerto, Puerto, Rico. Puerto Rico will be a state soon. You think so? Yeah. I um, think it voted on it down there. Like it's it's got to be a, a state without an e in the name. What state doesn't have an e in the name? It says Michigan, but it has an m. Kentucky. Nope. Nope. That's a k. Has an e. Uh, Colorado. No. Yeah, Macro. Yeah. Utah. No a. God damn it. <laughs> Johnny Utah. Damn. Fucking Mormons messing up my shit. Ah. I give. What is it? Ohio. Ohio! I drove to Ohio. Those fuckers. <sighs> what species has uh, the largest penis proportion to its size, its body? Oh, blue whales. No. Either that or human beings. No, in proportion to its form, its physical form. What? Oh, it's, it's some kind of clam or some shit like that, yeah, right? It's a like a mullet? Barnacle. A barnacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I do remember that. Those well hung barnacles. Of mammals. It's whales and humans. Yeah. Like, it's what species of. 
what species just of all species has the largest penis so you can say you can walk up to some chick and be like i'm hung like a barnacle (laughs) (laughs) and they'll be like oh my god that's small you'll be like no largest penis of any species i'll wait in proportion to it (laughs) google barnacle penis i'm telling you right now (laughs) oh shit i'm gonna google barnacle penis right now (laughs) no i I took perverse satisfaction in this little trivia bit that i came up that i came across years ago which was especially of all the primates human males have the biggest penises not even proportionally big like if you're an average human male you have a bigger penis than a gorilla straight out wow my dick is bigger than a gorilla's. I like <laughs> that. I like that idea. Stronger. Uh, so I have just now made barnacle penis part of my Google history. So. Well, you know, the NSA appreciates your yep. operation. I, I hope that helped out some agent that was sitting there. Somebody You're sitting at a computer like, God damn it, he's doing it again. Yeah. I think there he goes again. There he goes again. Blue waffles and barnacle penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking Mr. Hands again. Oh, I love this headline. Darwin's obsession with barnacle penises makes a lot of sense. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, it's evolution, baby. Barnacle Relative to it. its body size, the barnacle has the largest penis in the animal kingdom. Barnacles are ugly. They need something. Yeah. Hey, baby. It's like, yeah, you put, a, this. put a bag over my head and I'll take you to heaven. Holy shit. Darwin had a huge collection of barnacle penises. <laughs> I see a picture of it right now. Wow, that's a lot of penile. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. <laughs> Trivia. <clears throat> oh yeah it's my turn okay i got you let's see here i mean if you want to go i gotta let's see i gotta think of how to word this okay kind of taking it back to the universal monster movie theme in a way yeah what was the name of the and i think i'm correct on this what was the name of the first vampire on film the first vampire movie the first vampire movie to be on film yeah i guess well the same six and one half of the other like the the first vampire to Movie, first vampire film, first vampire character on film. The name of the movie, the name of the character are the same. Nosferatu. Yes, damn, you got me. Bam, you got me. Nosferatu. I'm a big typo negative fan, so uh-huh. they mentioned. Yeah, they they mentioned. Uh, Black number one. Yeah, that um, the images from that movie haunt me. That and uh, Phantom you can of the watch Opera. The entire thing on YouTube. It's actually creepy. I mean, yeah. it's atmospheric as far as it's a silent film with. Shaky camera, sepia tones, and black and white. Shadows, a lot of shadows. Right, but it's... I mean, I was looking a little bit when I came up with this question. That was too easy. Uh, <laughs> when I came up with it, I was looking at a little bit of it you know, on, on YouTube. And I'm like, geez, if I sat here in a dark room and watched this, I'd probably be creeped out, even mm-hmm. today. I mean, it's considered... Um, it's funny, because I never realized this about it, but it was, uh, it was an adaptation of Dracula. Yeah. Bram Stoker wrote Dracula in 1897, and this was filmed in 1922. Yeah, didn't they change the name to skirt the copyright bullshit? But it was an unauthorized adaptation. They changed Dracula to Count Orlock. Yeah, the word vampire to Nosferatu. But yeah, Bram Stoker's descendants or whatever still sued the crap out of him, so they had to burn all the copies. Uh, Court ruling: Stoker's heirs sued over adaptation. A court ruling ordered that all copies be destroyed. However, a few prints survived, and the film came to be regarded. As an influential masterpiece of cinema. I like the fact that uh, Bram Stoker's estate didn't take YouTube into consideration. <laughs> yeah. Dumbasses, what were they yeah. thinking? <laughs> uh, you need to burn every computer. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> I mean, that, that is kind of, that, that raises the point. It's kind of funny that in 1922, they were like, listen, as long as you burn 
all the copies that you say you have, we're we're gonna be satisfied that nobody will ever see the light. Of, this right. will never see the light of day. Like they never thought that somebody would be able to make a copy, right? Or hide, squirrel away a reel or something like that. You know? Yep. That's funny to me. I Little did they know. Well, they were stupid back then. Everybody was stupid in 1922. It yeah. was a flapper, Gilded Age, bullcrap. <laughs> the Roaring Twenties, my ass. Yeah. All right, well, you got anything else going on? Anything we can talk about to waste another half hour of the podcast listeners' it's time? never a waste. If you listen this far, then you are a dedicated fan, and this is your reward is our, <laughs> our, our profound trivia knowledge. Yeah. I think we went two weeks without talking. We had a lot of catching up. Yeah, you know, we got to talk about mundanity which is a word trust me anyways profundication profundication is also a word or will be soon when i get hold of webster and torture him and make him do my bidding all right well if you don't have anything else i think we can wrap it up shared universes are awesome and a little bit ridiculous uh i got one more thing when i say webster i don't mean emmanuel lewis if if you're listening (laughs) uh that was a i i I thought i apologize okay i'm not gonna torture a black midget i'm not about that I just went off the rails on that one, didn't I? Anyways. Hey, give me a second. I'm thinking about that. (laughs) I'm not about that. I watched that show. I watched Webster. Oh, yeah. George and Ma'am, who who were both in Porky. Fun fact. (laughs) And I have the DVD. The guy that played George and Webster and the guy that played his wife, Ma'am, were both on Porky's. And Ma'am was the hooker that they all wanted (gasps) to tag team. Say it ain't so. Yeah, and George was a Porky's. He was a lackey. He was a deputy, I think, who was in pocket. 80s cinema had a lot more TNA. Oh, God, yes. I mean, they always talk about, like, American Pie being the new Porky's back in the day, and it had Shannon Elizabeth, but that was it. Porky's was awesome. Yeah, 80s cinema, it was, like, boobs everywhere. We were just watching uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 the other day, and just, like, out of the blue, bam, strip tease, titties, titties, just titties everywhere. Oh, my favorite example, and I might have mentioned this before, was uh, the movie Nuns on the Run with uh, Eric Idle and Hagrid. (laughs) <laughs> I forget the actor's <laughs> name, but uh, yeah, PG thirteen, full nudity. There's a scene where they're sitting in, sh- in like a shower, like a whatever school or whatever. The, all the girls are in a shower, full on nudity. PG thirteen. God, I love the eighties. Mm-hmm. What was the first PG thirteen movie you watched? I couldn't even tell you. I was, Mine too, was. I watched it so young that I don't. I forget what it was. I I guarantee you. Maybe was Terminator R. Oh yeah, had to have been. Yeah. I know I watched Terminator when I was like, God, like eleven or twelve. Yeah. I did. I watched all kinds of PG thirteen. I, I watched all kinds of R rating as a kid. Yeah, my parents never really filtered that. I mean, they kind of did, but kind of didn't. Yeah. The themes were more important than the rating for me and my brother when we were kids. Uh, the first PG thirteen movie I watched was Iron Eagle. Oh my god! I was just thinking about that the other day for whatever reason. Like, what kind of dumbass thinks he's going to outrace a plane on a motorcycle? I'm sorry, that was the most ridiculous scene. What, At the beginning, was, when the when the hero's on his plane, his, like flying his plane, and his like rival is on the motorcycle trying to yeah, him in a race. You're you in a plane. You're gonna you win. Thirteen year old boy and tell him <laughs> you can do anything, and then put like an awesome eighty soundtrack behind that. Fuck Who's right, yeah. Junior. Hell yeah, that's like an adrenaline rush. You might as well have just pounded like six Red Bulls and jumped out of a hot air balloon with no parachute. That I was rushed. the shit. I feel like if you put Louis Gossett Jr. in any movie, you should have an eagle screaming in the background as soon as he walks on screen, just because. <laughs> just because it's... Uh, there was a song made for that movie called Iron Eagle by... Kenny Loggins? Had no, <laughs> that would have been awesome. It was like Foreigner or something. Oh, okay. That's, pretty, that's still pretty cool. Iron Eagle. That was a good I soundtrack. Steal a fucking jet and save my dad from Libyans or whatever the hell it was. Well, you gotta, you gotta bring along four or five bombs of napalm. You gotta yeah, bring yeah. napalm. 
Because that's the only way you can stop them from coming down the runway. Jeez, my parents love that movie. They rewatched. That was on like a continual loop of video cassette when I was. A do kid. you know? Do you know why they did? Because it was fucking awesome. Go America! God damn it, America! That we, we a ragtag group of teenagers can break into an air force base and steal an F sixteen. Hell to the yeah! Two F sixteens right out front <laughs> of the nose and get refueled flying over the Atlantic. You know what a ragtag group of teenagers can do also? Fight a Cuban-Russian invasion force and fucking succeed. Yeah. Hell yeah. Do you know what a real ragtag group of teenagers do? They Uh, sit around and smoke pot, tell jokes, skateboard, (laughs) maybe like diddle each other every once in a while. Every once in a while. That's what really goes on. That's what really goes on with a ragtag group of teenagers in like England or France. In America, they steal F-16s and shoot Russians in the head. Yeah, well, maybe... Maybe in like 1985, that's how it yeah. happened. But in 2017, they're gonna put a GoPro on the front of their skateboard, <laughs> and they're gonna do an ollie, which is the only skateboard move I know by name. And then they're gonna like get mad at their parents and go spend the night at their friend's house and have a dinner. Hey, that you know, you know what a rad tag group of teenagers does though. After they put that GoPro on their skateboard, they gleam the cube and take out a Vietnamese gang. Yeah, that's right. They pump up the volume. That's what they do. <laughs> that's right. And then they interview a vampire and then, I don't know, something else. They go to a pier at night where there's a guy playing saxophone with no shirt on. This like glistening yeah. wet. <laughs> and then they go out to a railroad trestle and they bam, hang bam, from bam. it while a train comes. And they're I like, still believe. you want to be one of us, don't you? You got to let go. It's magic. Let's just do a 80s teen movie montage right here. Let's pow through it. Okay. What when do 80s, what do teenagers ragtag or otherwise do? They, they get their license to drive. Ooh, they, they roller skate around a post-apocalyptic wake band with a floating ball of energy and then find water. That's what ragtag group of teenagers do. They go out to camp crystal lake and they Bone have hammer. sex in a haystack and then get smashed in the back of the neck with a pitchfork they like kevin big and die like a bunch of assholes they fall asleep and they dream about a pedophile that was burned to death with a <laughs> glove with knives they let the fingers. phone lick them like a noob after <laughs> the johnny depp die like a bunch of assholes yeah and then this ragtag group of teenagers. We already talked Ooh. about stealing an F F six on a epic treasure hunt to find pirate gold, mm-hmm. and traipses through the most ingenious traps of history ever conceived. But may or may not find an octopus. I don't know. Well, it depends on. They don't. It's not canon. <laughs> it's not. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. Well, glad to have you back in the state. Yeah, two weeks pent up pop culture ejaculations yeah. are now complete. We'll be back next week. Ejaculation doesn't have to be a dirty word, just so you know. Uh, we'll be doing a podcast soon, entirely on Game of Thrones. <clears throat> oh, God, yeah, that's coming up, isn't it? Yeah, July, mid-July, July 19th, 16th, 19th, whatever. That'd be like, what, three weeks or so? Damn. Yeah, so we've got to do our Game of Thrones podcast. I would like to do um, a whole podcast on Star Wars now that I've <laughs> delved into the machete viewing order. Oh my God! Right, that—that's at least the the grain, the germ that will blossom. Yes. That machete, the machete order is pretty badass. Yeah. So, uh, not with, to whet your appetite. <laughs> yeah. 
that's what's that's what's upcoming. That and we're gonna have Rob back, and we're going to talk endlessly about movies that you should not watch. Yeah, another podcast that I feel we're probably gonna end up putting another disclaimer in front of. If I <laughs> let's if do I the know disclaimer I... now. <laughs> yeah, right. And say in a couple of weeks we're gonna be doing another podcast about movies that you shouldn't watch, and you probably <laughs> shouldn't listen to that episode either. Yeah, shouldn't watch the movies. Should listen to our episode. Yeah, but now that's forbidden, and it will be the. If we got ratings, the highest rated episode we're going to ever have. Yes. Yeah. The most listened to or most upliked, upvoted. If you dare. We're working hard to get the podcast on Spotify. Oh, yeah. That is nice. the white whale. White buffalo. We're on uh, so many different places now. It is, you can find us virtually anywhere. Other yeah, if than you're not Spotify. listening to us, you have no excuse. No, because you're not listening to us, then you're not listening to me scold you for not listening to oh, us. Oh, they know. They know. Paradox. They can feel it. Right now, yeah. there are people You're... rolling over in bed thinking, What am I not listening to? That I should be. What did I miss? And then a, a chrome orb floats into their room, and a knife pops out of it and stabs and them. And then in the midgets attack you with robes on. And not the good ones like Jawas. <laughs> oh, I saw a picture today on the internet that was awesome it was a mashup between uh, speaking of crossing uni- uh, universes it was a xenomorph from the movie mm. aliens and it was holding a cube and it had pins in its head like pinhead from oh that's badass it was badass it was pretty cool so i want that as a tattoo <laughs> all right all right well uh i am uh nosferatu barnacle penis <laughs> Man, I I want to have a better name than Bob Scully, but I gotta stick with Bob Scully. Why don't we Just give you a different name? I don't think anything's ever gonna be. I'm a Alpha Gator. Wait, what did I say? Alpha Gator, yeah. Alpha Gator Scully. Well, Bob... it's not it's not Alpha Gator. It's Alpha Gator. Alpha Gator Scully. That's right. Alpha Gator Scully. I and am Alpha Gator. Nosferatu barnacle penis saying good night from the Masters of Profundication. And watch out for your pop culture ejaculation. You should sleep with one eye open, just because. Punching your pillow. All right, see ya. Bye-bye. Bye.